1: All right, what's up, Las Vegas? Happy Monday, PTL time. I know you missed me over the weekend. Oh, I know you did. We got a lot to get to today, man. A lot of, What a great sports weekend uh, in Las Vegas. Well, maybe not great for the Aces. We'll get to that, but uh, we'll talk some UNLV football. We'll talk uh, a little bit of Raiders. Uh, Bill Belichick was in town, and we'll get to that game. And, of course, as I mentioned, we'll talk about the tough loss the Aces had yesterday. We'll get into all that stuff. Oh yeah, Real Kid Poker, six-time World Series of Poker champion and VGK superfan Danny Negreanu will be joining us today. He'll be coming on in hour number 2 we'll talk about the Phil Kessel deal. Yeah, it's a big name, even though he's late in his career, but it will really help the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll talk to Real Kid Poker about that coming up a little bit later in the program as well. we got a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of fun topics to discuss. We're also going to play some clips from... Um, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, uh, pretty poignant on uh, in this interview. He spoke to a lot of different issues, but particularly the right, uh, calling out people like Ron DeSantis. I, I actually think it's um, one of the better interviews that he's done. So we'll get to that a little bit later on in the program as well. So it's Monday. You know what that means. You get all your... Uh, Picks from the guy in studio right now, and you could always bet the opposite. Uh, that's the advice I give some. Not all, but he, he did win a few bets over the week. And Of course, I'm talking about the man himself, Chris William Wynn. Is that your
0: middle name? It's William, right? You're exactly right, Brian. <laughs> and it's good to see you again. Yes, it is a Monday. That means we get to opine and chop it up regarding all things that went on in the weekend. And, of course, uh, we'll do. you yeah. were exactly right, saying mm-hmm. that uh, there was all kinds of activity, particularly on the sports front here in Las Vegas. Yes, this and we yeah. will absolutely get
1: to that, and I'll go by day by day. I guess maybe I'll go in order uh, from yeah. a sports standpoint of what took place. I have to share a personal story with you first to start, Chris. Absolutely. And I'm not going to mention names or anything, but it, it's a female issue. Uh, that I have. And I, and I want to get your opinion on, on what you think I might have done wrong, if anything. I don't think I did anything wrong. I'm going to give you this scenario without giving out names. I'm going to okay. make general... Okay, so here's here's the... Story time. Let's yeah, do this. story time, baby. Um, Should have played some music in the background, some story music. No, we don't need that. I'm just kidding. Um, so I met... You know how you have people on your Facebook page and sometimes you don't even remember adding them? Maybe they added you as a friend. You. It was one of those situations about a year ago where I'm just going through my Facebook pictures and I guess my feed, the live feed, and I see this this girl that's a very pretty, very beautiful okay. girl. Um, and uh, is that your story, time music? Oh, okay. That's interesting. Uh, you can't go wrong with Shaggy. Anyway, so I hit, I hit this girl up, and she's yeah. very pretty, and, and I asked her out on a date, and she said yes. I took her to a show. This was like maybe, I don't know, maybe eight months ago. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I took her to a show. We had dinner afterwards. Without getting too much into detail... Um, Things got a little physical in a good way, if you know what I'm saying. We had a great time. It was like one of my favorite first dates I've had in a very long time. Okay. So we have a great night. We go out maybe 10, 15 times more over the course of the next month or two. We go out. Two months pass. We're dating. Okay. Obviously, it's. It, it, I would consider it dating. What else is it? at the end of the two months she basically says yeah i don't know if this is going anywhere i don't know if i feel the right vibe whatever i she, I'm, she said something like that and i said hey that's cool no problem we could still be friends no, you know no big deal and 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 we did talk from time to time and, and you know we were a few times maybe we hung out but but not as much so about a month ago i wasn't feeling good right wasn't sure if i had COVID or not wasn't feeling great um And I had a conversation with her because I guess I hung out with her like a day or two before I really started not feeling good. And I didn't like the conversation we had because she basically said that she accused me of knowingly possibly having COVID and hanging out with her. Now, anybody who knows me, it's a horrible thing to say to somebody like me who almost died of COVID two years ago. You know me, Chris. You know I take COVID very seriously. No Uh, question about it. I preach about it every day. So you know that about me. So I got really pissed off at her. And there were other things that pissed me off about her. You know, for example... If I need something, she'll never call me. Hey, is everything okay? But when she needs something, you know, uh, you know, she'll always ask me for that. Never just to say hi. You know, one of those people. So I had other... Not a good friend, what I'm trying to say. So I had other issues with her. So I basically told her to F off. I said, I don't want to talk to you anymore. That was a horrible thing you said to me. You know, if she apologized to me, I'm, I'd be okay with that. But she didn't. She got doubled down on her stupid comment about COVID and all that stuff. So I said, F off. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Right? Now... About a few weeks before that, I know a couple of very nice people. They're business owners. They're they're very nice people, right? And the woman, the couple, the woman I thought would have some things in common with this girl. I won't go into reasons why, but I introduced them. Long story short, I introduced them. So They have a lot of the same interests, a lot of the same ideals.
0: You could say that,
1: yes. That's fair to say, yes. So what happened over the weekend, this woman in this relationship had asked me about this girl and and asked me questions about did you date her because you know you know she was asking me questions i didn't just go out i said yeah we did trying to figure out the connection exactly so we did i I told her the truth we dated for a few months it didn't work out nothing came about it no big deal i Mm -hmm. mean i didn't i didn't talk about anything else so over the weekend because this girl that i used to date which i did uh over the weekend you know, I told her to f off like a month ago. So, she's talking to my friend who doesn't know me very well, and uh, over the weekend, and basically, she basically says to me, or says to my friend that we never dated before. Right. She, she went into that we never dated before. She lied to my friend and said that you know we never had any type of dating relationship or anything like that. Uh, and said a lot of negative things about me that were not true. So these are people that I do not know extremely well. They don't know me extremely well. So obviously I take that seriously when someone's saying things about you that are not true. So anyway, long story short, I texted her again, and I told her, don't ever mention my name again. Um, And uh, she texted me back, and she said, you're disgusting. And my response to her was, you usually allow men to put their tongue down your throat that you think are disgusting.
0: That was that was the last
1: thing I said to her. And,
0: that, why why would I be not shocked yeah, by that the, that yeah, response yeah, yeah. by yeah, that you? Was, now look, here's the deal. From her, from me, from after hearing the story from you, right, and you're yeah. hearing your perspective. Yes, this woman makes a lot of assumptions without yeah. having actual knowledge of right. facts and reality. Some that are very hurtful. That, by that the way. that's very. And, and we, you know what we, you know what we say about assumptions, right, guys? Yeah. Assumptions are, uh, you know, everyone's it's it's like that, that hole in your backside. <laughs> everyone's got one. All right. So and, it's, and well, it's not a good thing. It's not a good trait to have when some, you make some assumptions about people <laughs> that could or could not be true. And I'll start with that. Secondly, secondly, Brian, this woman is nuttier than squirrel turds. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay it out like that. She is. She's absolutely, yes. she is. positively a lunatic, and you're probably better off not being in. Oh
1: no, I, I I know oh, I, I am.
0: I know I am. But uh, I'm not gonna make it over complicated. I've
1: never like been that. the kind of guy that would lie about. Dating somebody, how how insecure of a guy do you have to be to lie about stuff like that? Oh, I dated her. Oh, I I was I, I like what what how insecure do you have to be to talk yeah, like that? I'm not one of those people, you know. It's I'm not almost one of those like people. she's
0: coming at it from the perspective of a of a fourth grader. Really, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you're both adults. Handle it should have been handled like adults. Yeah. Her 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 viewpoint should reflect that yeah. of an adult. And in the situation, just
1: flat out doesn't. Yeah. And here's something else I'm going to add to this story that I didn't even tell you. Without saying who this is, which I wouldn't do, or what this person does, she holds, she organizes events for a group of women. I'll I'll leave it at that. She's an organizer of an event, right? And she had asked me, uh, can you find some speakers to speak at your events? Uh, I did find a speaker to speak at one of her events because I'm a nice person and I was happy to help her out. and and she lied to this person and said I was trying to interfere with her events and I'm like what I've done nothing but help her, um, so what would you do in this situation? I told her to stop mentioning my name and and you know leave it at that. I don't think there's anything else I could do. Right? There's nothing else I can do in this
0: situation. Yeah, I, I just I would just cut. I would just let it go. I would just. Yeah. Uh, move I on. Blocked, Move on. With I already your blocked your number, by the way. It doesn't even. I mean, yeah. I don't even know if you need to do that. I just. just yeah, just just uh, out of sight, out of mind, Brian. Yes, that's that's
1: the deal. People are crazy, man. All right, thank you for the music, Numb Shop. You know, <laughs> appreciate that. That thank was you. Uh, that some was weird music. That was some strange
0: yeah. tunage yeah. to some, say the least, music. right there. So
1: that put me in a really As a background. Put me in a really bad mood yesterday because I don't like it when I when I am actually nice to somebody and then they say hurtful things. That's enough. But then when you're going the distance to be saying negative things about me that are not true to friends of mine that don't even know me that well, right? Now, you know me and you know that I would never intentionally hang out with somebody if I had COVID. I take COVID very, very seriously, right? You know that about me. Um, You also know that at times, you know, people can be a little bit insecure. I'm like the opposite of that. Like I don't need to lie about something to make myself feel better about something, right? In fact, I, I self-loathe. I do that all the time. Um I, I just don't know why. But anyway, uh we've spent enough time on that story uh, to begin with. Uh <laughs> but but that's how my uh, Sunday morning started. The
0: weekend folks, T- uh, PTL nation out there. Yeah. The, the the uh the commentary gets better, my friends. Yeah, it's yeah. not just all it Debbie does. Downer with Shapiro's yeah. Dating life. Okay? By the way, it, gets, it I, gets better from here. I will say this: uh, <laughs> going to be at Sapphire
1: doing it, speaking of better to lighten thing, lighten the mood here a little <laughs> bit. Uh, Justin, can you light a candle, please? Um, no, uh, Monday Night Football, uh, the first Monday Night Football game of the dun, year. Dun, dun, dun. That's right, September 12th, I'm going to be out there. Uh, open dun, dun, bar, free dun, dun, food, dun, dun. I'll talk a little bit more about that later, so I'm very excited about that. All right, so Friday started for me, uh, we'll go in order here, Sports right. World, Patriots, Raiders, Chris. Yeah. I- I'm really sick of the NFL preseason. Uh, with that being said, Raiders look really good. Uh, backup guys out there, not a lot of starters playing. Obviously, Car's not out there. Uh, the Patriots looked absolutely terrible in this game. But uh, it was a fun game to watch. Great crowd for a preseason game. God, these crowds are are unbelievable, uh, and there there were guys out there for the Patriots, uh, old school guys. Uh, remember, uh, Mr. Brian Hoyer, who's been in the league I think 14 years. Uh, he played a little bit for the Patriots, um, and and you know, listen, guys, guys for the Raiders uh, were were good, uh, backup, backup, backups. But uh, they look good out there. Defense was was strong. It was a good game. Solid football game. Uh, great crowd, as I mentioned. But there's really not a lot you can take from the preseason. Uh, yes, the Raiders are undefeated. Yes, they're 4-0 in the preseason. Yes, there's, uh, I believe there's one, is there one more preseason game? No, no, gonna...
0: you're not alone, Brian, with uh, not liking the preseason. But uh, lucky for you and all of uh, Raider Nation out there, it's over. And uh, the final 53 yep. will be cut down tomorrow. Right. So there's uh, there's some intriguing storylines regarding the Raiders in that respect, uh, especially in the backfield, whether or not they keep Kenyon Drake. The word is is that Kenyon Drake is not going to be on uh, the Raiders. He's going to get bounced out because of uh, the emergence of uh, Zaire White, who is the uh, rookie that they drafted, who is a big... Uh, uh, Obviously, Josh McDaniels and uh, the coaching staff are big fans of that guy. Also, question marks regarding last year's number one draft pick and Alex Leatherwood on the offensive line. There's there's uh, speculation that he could be out the door as well too, and that's kind of a big deal because the Raiders, you know, obviously spent a first round draft pick on him, and it was thought that uh, they could move him to right tackle this year and he could be effective there. It doesn't look like that's worked out. And it looks like he could be moving on. So those are the kind of main storylines. And, uh, yeah, the preseason is over for the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, they were the the team that played in the uh, Hall of Fame game, Brian. And so they played the very first preseason game back on a Thursday, what, like a month ago. So... It is uh, tied to move on to the real season for everybody as the 53 cutdown is tomorrow.
1: Yeah, so I'm glad because uh, I, I think it's the worst product in all professional sports, preseason NFL football. At least preseason in the NBA, uh, you see starters play for at least a little bit. Same thing in the NHL. As you get uh, further on, yep. um, you get uh, to see uh, you know more of the starters and, and guys are going to be getting a lot of uh, ice time or in the NBA, so on and so forth. Um, but uh, anyway... Let's move on now, because I don't want to spend too much time talking about Raiders preseason. Um, let's move on now to UNLV football. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so um, UNLV, UNLV football, they're playing. Okay, hang on a second. Let's take a break, because I, I don't, I don't want to hear drilling while we're live on the air. So why don't we do that? Let's take a break first. Um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are going to be talking UNLV football. And we will also go to the Las Vegas Aces. So we'll take a break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing Limits right here on KSHP.
0: Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premiere Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it.
1: Look, it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas's top DUI prosecutor for years. and prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you, his relationships with the prosecutors and judges, and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. My J Supreme is the first national three-point contest where the finale ends right here in Las Vegas on Saturday, September 10th at Durango High School. On Championship Saturday, there's going to be $25,000 cash on the line. Winners from across the country will compete for the grand prize. Go watch and support the great cause, which is to raise money for community and gun violence intervention programs. There'll be an interactive fan contest where you can win cash and gift cards. Go to MyJSupreme.com for more details. Again, MyJSupreme.com i want to tell you guys about one of my favorite doctors in the valley dr k she's a board certified internal medicine physician she's been in practice for over 20 years went to yale she believes in treating body and mind as a whole by achieving harmony and balance she offers hormone replacement botox skin rejuvenation, even snoring treatment, because we know how that can be annoying from time to time. Also, plasma treatments and so much more with cutting-edge technology. Please give her a call, 702-410-5779. You could also give her an email at cosmeticesthetics.lv at gmail.com. Again, that number, 702-410-5779. Call Dr. K, tell them I sent you, and I promise you won't be disappointed. Everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702 248 0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client.
0: So please give them a call 702 248 0554. Hey, everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premium Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it.
1: All right, welcome back. It is pushing the limits on a uh, Monday. Sorry about that disturbance there. Uh, Twenty years in radio, I've never, never experienced what I just experienced. That though. was interesting. Oh, that, that was a little <laughs> bit different,
0: right there. It's so Chris. What did you fair. see there? Give us the play-by-play. <laughs> well, we were listening to. Uh, Our our uh, our trusty host Brian Shapiro's story, and then you know had a little uh, a little rustling going on in the studio. That somebody was drilling while I was on. Yeah, then then we started doing. We had a little we had a little little Bob Vila moment in studio (laughs) mid show. Where there was some uh, things that were being taken care of from a, so let me explain a distraction standpoint. Let me explain to the listeners: there's do, something yes. called a
1: good distraction, and then there's something called a bad distraction. Yes, we were at Sapphire a few weeks ago, and I think Chris will attest to this. Good distractions those were, all over the place. Brian. Those were great all over the distractions. Place. Yes. Yeah, when you have somebody drilling while you're live on the air doing a radio show, it's it's a little bit. Yeah. Of, of a bad distraction. So you get you get my point. I understand your point, okay. yes. And, anyway, welcome back to the show. Uh, no more drilling, at least for now. Uh, Chris Wynn is in the house. I'm Brian Shapiro. Uh, I was going to get to UNLV football, but I figured I'd save it until we took a break and came back. All right, so Coach Royal, year three. Mm-hmm. I've made my opinions known. If I'm wrong, I'll be the first one to admit it. If Coach Royal gets us to a bowl game uh, this year, I'll, be, I'll let you throw egg on my face and I'll say I was wrong. Coach Arroyo getting to a bowl game in year three. Job well done. Good job recruiting. I want to admit I'm wrong. That's what I want to say to people. I want to be able to admit I'm wrong when it comes to UNLV football. But, folks... Let's not get carried away here. They were 27-point favorites against one of the worst teams in Division I college football in Idaho State. Did we see some good things in the first half? Absolutely. Uh, Brumfeld was pretty good. Now, he did turn the ball over twice, or should have turned it over twice. He fumbles the ball, they recover. Uh, he throws what should have been an easy pick, not caught by the Idaho State player. Uh, but Brumfeld was, for the most part, pretty accurate. He threw some good balls out there. He looked okay. But again, it's hard for me to say that, oh, he's ready. He's ready to win You know, five or six games. Because the competition get now. listen, if they start the year off 3-0 and and they beat Cal on the road, or at least they're in that game, and they're able to beat North Texas at home, then I'll, I'll know a little bit more about this football team. But there was nothing I could really see. And by the way, they were outscored 14-7 in the second half by Idaho State, but they still won the football game very handily, 52-21. You go into this game, the number one thing you should be worried about, win the football game. Give UNLV credit, they did that. They beat a team that they were supposed to beat very clearly, and they beat them by more than 30 points. So that's a positive. That's a good thing. Don't like the way they played in the second half. Coach Royal didn't like the way they played in the second half. The problem is this is an inferior football team. And now in two weeks, you go on the road against Cal. And Cal's not a good football team, but they're much better than Idaho State. They're in a much better conference. I don't know a lot about this football team. I know they didn't win a lot of games last year. But that's going to be a more difficult team to play. And then your next home game against North Texas is a team that won half their games. Uh, I believe they were in it with Mizzou for a little while last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, So, Yes. They won the football game. That's what you needed to do. You have to win the games you're supposed to win. That's something that the UNLV football program has been unable to do uh, for for many, many years. Uh, you know, so, you know, this is a, a win that you have to have. It's by far the easiest game on your schedule. Brumfeld was good, you know. And there's guys. You, you, you go through this. Uh, some of the new, I guess, some of the new faces. You know, Ricky White was fantastic. Um, so you know, you go through. The names of some of these players on this list, uh, some really good performances from, from you know, Kyle Williams also uh, had a good game. Uh, I look at, uh, you know, other guys on the list, and I say to myself, the number one guy I look at is Brumfeld, listen, Bailey was in there for a little bit. He was three for eight. He didn't look The transfer good. from Tennessee. Yeah, he yep. didn't look very good. He was then, expected, by the yeah. way,
0: to uh, get the job.
1: Yeah. He looked, but of he the is. three quarterbacks that played, he yeah. looked the worst. And it was nice to see Cameron Feele in there and uh, throw a touchdown in the fourth quarter. You know, didn't get a lot of playing time, but he was two for two. Good confidence for him. He deserves it. Uh, Brumfield was good. It's, it's more of a positive than a negative for him, and that's really important. And you don't want to get him hurt. So I like what uh, Coach Arroyo did in taking him out in the second half because they were going to win the football game. Um, did I think it was creative play calling? Did I think that, you know? It's hard to take away a lot from a game like this. You see a lot of UNLV football fans, Chris, that are uh, oh, look at this team. See, I told you so. Uh, he's the guy for the job
0: Royal, and, and I think it's, it's ridiculous. Those comments you just made, the look we're not you can't take it over the top or get too crazy after one game. You, you play the opponents that are put in front of you. Game one of any college football season. It's a, it's a game to set the tone, right for the rest of your season. Yeah you're playing an inferior opponent in Idaho State, you know, a team that's in the big sky. And is not is not exactly on the same level of even the Mountain West conference much less you know one of the power five conferences so they did what they were expected to do we we were there covering the game Brian early on you thought it could actually be competitive in that football game and you mentioned of course the uh, mistake that brumfield made in the first in the first half of this game where it, it was absolutely a uh, uh, a key point in the game where he threw essentially. What could have been at at the very least interception? It very likely could have been a pick six, right. In which Idaho State would have been in the football game. against an average football game. But it was just a matter of UNLV having more athletes right. than Idaho State. They're just a better football team, mm-hmm. and they carried the day, and they ended up winning the football game and looked pretty. And you, you pointed out the guys looked impressive. Ricky White, outstanding, the transfer from Michigan State. There was a uh, there was a, about three or four guys. That were that transferred in this season yeah. that made an impact on that football game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So UNLV can be proud of what happened in sure. the post game press conference. Marcus Arroyo, someone who's not not been great with the media overall from an overall standpoint. Uh, there was a couple awkward moments because the media here in Vegas they want to know what's the deal with the quarterback situation. Are we are, are you dead set that Doug Brumfield is going to be the quarterback moving forward, and you know, and it's not going to be the other guys. And you know, Marcus is very—he—he very much so does not want to give away who's going to be the starting quarterback from week to week, and that's—and so there was kind of a weird exchange there with a member of the media. And uh, Marcus Arroyo, but uh, but his overall tone when it came to after a win like that, where you're expected to win and you're a huge favorite at, in the post game press conference, was good. He didn't get over hyped about it. He didn't start talking about how you know they're going to be uh, just start you know steamrolling or, or blazing through this schedule. He was reserved and he looked ahead to next week, obviously, which you talked about. They're playing a team that is in the bottom tier of the Pac-12, mm-hmm. but it is in the Pac-12, right. and you're playing it on the road, on the road up there yeah. in the Bay Area. In two weeks, yeah. They in, have in, a bye in, week. in Berkeley, so in two yeah. weeks. So uh, it, that is going to be more of a test, Brian, of what exactly this UNLV football team is. I agree. Uh, I think you look
1: at these first three games, you say to yourself, at minimum, you know, let, let, let's go two and one. Um, you know, I think that's doable. Uh, North Texas is a, an average football team. They're average. They won half their games, last year. a lot better than UNLV. I uh, Cal, let's see what happens. Let's see if they could at least be competitive. Give yourself a chance on the road to win that football game. But like I said, there's not a lot you can take from this. Um, I think after week three, have a better idea. You don't want to be one and two. You got to get one of these one of these next. Well, two results
0: games. are going to rule the day. You, you, you just said it. You, uh, you, you know, you said it'd be great if they're if they're two and one. I think that's the expectation is to right. be two and one. Right. Now it's a big difference from a mentality standpoint, especially from the fans, right, Brian? Especially UNLV faithful. If there's a big difference between two yeah. and one and one and two in this particular situation, because there, you know, there there are measured expectations yeah. with UNLV, but there are still expectations. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about the fans. Uh, I
1: thought mm-hmm. that you know, and we're going to get to the Aces' phenomenal crowd. We'll yeah. get to that Raiders crowd for a preseason game was incredible. It was incredible. Really bad crowd for UNLV. Now, listen, I understand this is a team that hasn't won a lot of games. They've won two games in two years. I also understand they're playing against another team that doesn't travel very well. And not, not many people are going to come out to watch Idaho State play football. I think Bishop Gorman would might have a chance against them. But with that being said, not only was there nobody in the upper ball, but I would say it'd be safe to say that half the lower ball was empty. You saw the crowd just as much as
0: I did. It was a really sparse crowd. We're talking about in the neighborhood, maybe of ten thousand, right? It didn't seem I don't like even, more than I don't that even think to me. It was, no. Yeah, I don't think maybe no. more than that, but it was. It's very disheartening to be yeah. quite honest with you. And we get in, and Brian, you and I have covered U N L V basketball for years, sure, right? And there are numerous instances where I, I just, I just cannot comprehend. It. I don't mm. understand the lack of fan support, regardless of where the team is at in the standings or how good they are. It's still a. Pro- There's not any other major colleges. In Las Vegas. This is UNLV. This is a UNLV town. I don't understand. You have a 17,000-seat arena when it comes to basketball, and then now you have a brand-spanking-new Allegiant Stadium. When you talk, And, Brian, you and I, we live here. You walk around town, right, and you talk to sports fans. And a lot of the sentiment, even regarding UNLV football, and to the Raiders to some extent, too, is that, wow, I can't wait to go see the new stadium. Right. So... You have you have an opportunity to go to see this beautiful new facility but that honeymoon and, is over and it's and I understand that but it's still the first game of the season Understood. how are you not how are you not getting 15 20 30,000 fans in there for for the one major college program here in town I just don't understand it in a in a metropolitan area that has, you know, two point three million people living here. I don't understand that at all. Justin,
1: am I reading that right? That they said there and were nineteen thousand people there. There's no chance. I don't I, I, there's Is no that way, right? There's no, 19,
0: five, seven, there's no way because there's no, no way because no first chance. of all, as Brian pointed out, nobody was in the upper tier of the nobody. stadium. Yeah. And the stadium only holds what, 58,000 or something. 58, I 60, thought it was eighty five. Eighty five thousand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is it that much? Yeah, eighty five. Sixty five. Sixty okay, five thousand. Yeah. So yeah, and there's nobody up in the lower bowl. And by the way, the, 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 uh, excuse me, the upper bowl, the lower bowl was yeah. not half full. Well, listen. The I, lower uh, bowl is not half full. So how would you yeah, have 19,000, 20,000? Well, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah.
1: We, know, we know how many people there. are so, lucky to get to town. Now, I, we had uh, Eric Harper on. I had him. He's the athletic director at UNLV. Listen, he gave me some honest answers, and I appreciate him coming on. He has a very difficult job. Uh, and I said, how do you get people in the seats for UNLV football? Mm-hmm. And he gave me an honest answer to start. He expanded a little bit, but he said, you got to have a good product. He's 100% right. Uh, you look at uh, the UNLV women. People come out for those games. You look at the Knights. People come out because yeah. they're a good product. At least they have been a good product. We'll get to that with Real Kid Poker later. Uh, you look at uh, the beautiful Las Vegas ballpark. Uh, even though they're not making postseason this year, not only is it a great product, it's a great atmosphere, it's a beautiful ballpark. Uh, obviously, Elysian Stadium, the beautiful Elysian Stadium, it's not enough to get UNLV you know, people to come out to UNLV football games. I'll tell you what, what is going to do. it If they start the year, or I'll give you an example. If they beat Cal on the road in two weeks, I guarantee you there's going to be more people at that North Texas game because you're saying to yourself, okay, this is a better product. I'm not saying you're going to get 20 or 30,000 people, but maybe an extra couple thousand people. I think that's fair to say. You start the season off 3-0 and and you beat North Texas, then all of a sudden people in this town are going to be like, hey. Let's go to a UNLV football game. I know you want to go to the Raiders game, but the UNLV football game is cheaper. It's more affordable. Uh, you can get really cheap. I think 16 17 bucks 17 for some of the cheaper seats. Mm. You have to win football games. So the point is Eric Harper's right when he came on this show last week. Got to have a good product. I don't know if this is a good product yet. I really don't know. I didn't learn anything really at all from this game against this team uh, to really uh, – against Idaho State to really say, hey, this team's much better this year. You know, And all these people out there that are saying, well, look at what he did from year one to year two. We were in six games. Stop it with the moral victories here, okay? Yeah. You have to learn how to win football games, okay? You don't hear that in any other sport. Oh, well, we hung with this team. We hung with that team. Listen, this is Division One college football. You don't get any points, and you're not going to make a bowl game if you're in six or seven games and you lose all of them. You have to win football games. So stop it with the nonsense. I don't care how close you are. A big part of being a college athlete is being able to come up and make big plays in any sport you're playing in in crunch time. They were not able to do that. And by the way, part of that is on the coaching staff. You have to give them the right plays to succeed late in football games as well. So I'm done talking to people. Oh, they could have won nine or ten games last year. Nonsense. It's ridiculous. And by the way, the biggest game of the year, towards the end of the year, when you're playing Nevada on the road, they got blitzed. Okay, They got destroyed in that game. Last game I believe on the calendar this year assuming they don't make a bowl game will be against Nevada at home. That is a game that Coach Royal has to find a way to win. I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Yep. That is their Super Bowl of the year. That is the game because I don't think they're making a bowl game this year. That is
0: their bowl game. But Brian, let me make a general statement regarding circle back to the attendance, right? And to the crowd sizes here. How in God's name do you have, you know, hockey in Vegas with the Vegas Golden Knights mm-hmm. on a Tuesday night? Randomly in October, yep. you're going to get seventeen thousand plus to go to a hockey game. And look, I understand the the backdrop. I understand the fact that it's a brand new you know NHL team here in Vegas. And well, they're good. The team is falling, <laughs> and they're good. Yeah. Yes, but 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 still, from an aesthetic standpoint, how do you how do and, and from a and just from a just, I'm just posing the question here. How do you get seventeen thousand on a Tuesday night to a hockey game, and you can't you know? Wow. And there's only f- what four or five games. I'll at home Let me for that. UNLV football. Let me answer and your you question. Can't, and you can't I'll
1: answer that for you, Chris. It's get like, 25, 30000 It's a fair question. I'll yes. answer that for you in my opinion. Now, we go to the games, and we enjoy college football. And, and if we weren't members of the media, I could tell you right now, I'd probably still go to the game. But people just don't care about UNLV football. And I'm saying there are some that do. There's a small group that do. But for the most part... People don't care about UNLV football, and by the way, but people care about football. I mean, this is a. I mean, this is, football not, is
0: the, is the, is a huge but sport. Not a lousy Mountain West States. Conference yeah.
1: game with a with a bad product, and again, I don't yeah. know what UNLV football is going to do this year. I know there's some people out there they're going to say, "Brian, you have no credibility because you haven't been to a practice." The dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But people stopped caring about UNLV football. I think a long time ago, UNLV basketball. I like Kevin Kruger. I thought he did a pretty good job last year under the circumstances. I had a lot of praise for him. But people stopped caring about UNLV basketball as well. Uh, and in order to get people to start caring again, people have a lot of options in this city. There's a lot of things you can do in Las Vegas. No doubt about it. Night. Yeah. Um, if people are going to want to spend a little bit of their money to go to a UNLV football game, I think most people are going to want an average to above average product. UNLV hasn't even been average since 2014. Okay, Make a ball game. Win some football games. Get to that last game of the year at five wins. Give yourself a chance. Um... Now listen, there's some people in this town that have said four wins, you know, is you know, you bring a royal back. Anything less than four wins, that's that's the consensus. I disagree. I think it should be five by year three. These are these are his own players. This is his team. I don't want to hear about. Well, how, I'm one of those people that say that he's
0: probably going to be called uh, brought back if he has four wins because I will. think the UNLV powers at B will, you know, they'll absolutely I'm rationalize you, around. I'm not giving him here.
1: Right, but I'm not yeah. giving you my opinion on what I think UNLV will do. I, I would argue if he wins three games, they might bring him back, which is ridiculous. Ooh, I don't know about. Uh, I've stopped. But Listen, yeah. let me just say this. Desiree Reed Francois is a moron. Okay. She's a moron. She had no idea what she was doing here at UNLV. She made some awful hires. Okay. TJ Otzelberger, I know he had a wonderful year last year at Iowa State. Absolutely the wrong guy for the job. He did nothing here in two years. Bad hire. I believe Coach Arroyo. Now, this is what I believe. I could be wrong. It's called an opinion, folks. I know if you listen to other radio shows, they're going to kiss the ass of everything UNLV does. Guess what? I've never done that. And there's some people that don't like me for being honest and sharing my voices, but I can tell you Well, you do have hot takes, though, at times. You you, 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 you do have what are defined as hot takes. Well, I don't think this is a hot take. You ready for this? For the last 40 years, UNLV football has sucked. That's not a hot take. That's honest. For the last 10 years, since Jerry Tarkanian left the basketball program, the basketball program has not been very good. Lon Kruger brought it back. Uh, you know, brought back the program to a top 25 team in the country, did a phenomenal job. And then the Dave Rice hire was a pathetic hire. The Marvin Menzies hire was even worse. The TJ Otzelberger hire was even worse. I think Kevin can turn this thing around. I'm being honest. The UNLV football program has been really bad for a long time. Now, where are we at right now? Okay. We have the Fertitas, Thanks to Tony Sanchez. Great guy. Fertitta's put a lot of
0: money into the university when it comes to football. We have some of the best. It wasn't all Tony Sanchez, by the way. He was a big part of That's that narrative out there that Tony Sanchez is like the only reason why the Fertittas were making that donation. And that that the football complex is okay,
1: okay. For argument's sake, let me be be very clear. If Tony Sanchez is not the head football coach at UNLV, the Fertittas do not put in that kind of money. Are there other... Things that helped, sure, but uh, this wasn't yeah. an athletic director. Okay, that, that 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 helped. It was Tony Sanchez. The relationship with the Fertitas is the main reason. Okay, point being, yeah, you know, they have great facilities, some of the mm-hmm. best in certainly in, in the Midwest, In the country, I agree. You are playing at Elysian Stadium, an NFL state of the art mm-hmm. no question stadium. Yep. Okay. It is an embarrassment when you have a crowd like you had the other day. It is an embarrassment. That's what I'm trying to say. There are no more excuses with the UNLV football program. I know when Sanford was here and I covered UNLV, I liked Sanford, but it was all excuses about how bad the locker room is, how bad Sam Boyd is. Well, how about getting to a ball game? And then we can talk about your facility. I'm, I'm done with the excuses. It's time to win. And the bar is so low with this football team. It's so low. And you're right. There are people that are saying four wins, ah, eh, you bring it back. It's improvement. And then what happens in year four if he wins four games or three? How many years do you give a football coach with a bad program? Because this is a bad program. But let's be honest. They're not playing Alabama every year either. What do
0: you do with a program that ha- makes a ball game once every ten years? Well, they're going to do what they've been doing for the last 15, 20 years, right, Brian? And they're going to circle through another coach. You're going to bring another coach in. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. That, I mean, it, 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 it's regardless of wh- whether or not uh, the expectations are high. Yes. If you're going to have results that are not satisfactory, which has been the case with UNLV football, Look, Chris, if it, you- since since. What nineteen ninety five? But if, then you're gonna have you're gonna make a change. If you have a so, difficult
1: job, and yes, I think UNLV is a yeah. difficult job, a program that has not won a lot of football games over the last forty years. I want a coach that's been a head coach before. Okay, this guy has never been a head coach before. He was the offensive coordinator at Oregon uh, with a ton of talent, by the way. I want a guy who's been a head coach before. Now Kevin Kruger's never been a, a head coach before. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, he's going to turn this thing around. I don't think he's going to win you a national championship. I don't think he's going to get you to a Sweet 16. But I think he's going to turn the program around to be uh, you know, a decent football, uh, basketball program. I don't think Arroyo was the right guy for the job. Uh, open up the phone lines quickly here. 702-221-7283. And again, the number if you want to be a part of the conversation is 221-7283. Maybe you were at the game. Maybe you were one of uh, 12 people that were at the game. Uh, give us a call. Uh, let's go to Fernando. Fernando, what's going on?
2: Yeah, hey guys. Yeah, I was really disappointed at the field. The field was a mess.
1: Yeah, it was. It was all
2: ripped up. It was all ripped up. The anthems had the Raiders emblems on there, and I believe in the contract that that UNLV
0: yeah. In so, game, so here's here's my under,
2: here's
1: I agree with you. Here's my understanding of what took place. They are going to put new mm-hmm. uh, a new field on there for Week One NFL. They're saving it for that, and they didn't want to put a a, a nice new field, new grass on there for NFL preseason – and unfortunately, UNLV wasn't even able to practice on that field all week. That That's not good. Uh, but, you know, in this city, Raiders take precedence over UNLV football. I'm sorry. Uh, and I agree with you, Fernando. It was it was a disgusting field. I mean, really bad. Not the greatest field conditions. But at the same time, starting week one uh, for the Raiders, that's going to change. And I, and so by the time North Texas comes to town week three for UNLV football, uh, it, it'll be UNLV's field, I believe. It was rather strange, though, right,
0: Fernando, when you see the – UNLV yeah. logo smack dab in the middle of a uh, you know you you mentioned you had the Las Vegas and then the Raiders in the end zone yeah. and then they threw the Mountain West logo also right. on the field and then you, but, but what what Fernandez referring to is that yeah. i mean the field it looked it looked like there was like five soccer games that had been there played was. on it and yeah. four preseason games yeah. and a bunch of practices. Yeah. I mean, the field was absolutely faded. It looked like right? they
1: might have yeah. also had the porn awards uh, on that exactly. field. Uh, I, don't
0: know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, Fernando. <laughs> was, there, was there a Fuel concert out there yeah. and a, yeah. uh, a Insane, Filter concert for Brian Shapiro? Insane, Insane with Clown. His, with his guy? Richard I heard Patrick?
1: Insane Clown Posse perform the night exactly. before. I, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, Fernando, it's got to be better.
2: It was yeah. crazy. It was crazy. I mean, this is a state-of-the-art Football stadium, come on! Hey, Fernando, Fernando,
1: Ooh. Fernando! After after this amazing huge win by UNLV football in week <laughs> one against powerhouse <laughs> Idaho State, uh, do you think that UNLV is a lock now to be in a, in a ballgame? game? What do you think? No,
2: not at all, not yet, not close. to play North, well, they play Cal and North Texas, yeah. North Texas State. Yeah, and uh, I don't think so. Not ready yet. All right, but, so they're not um, ready. They're
1: not ready for another conference yet. Yeah, uh, yeah. This win's not yeah, really going to help them. So. All right, I, I, Fernando, I think I'm kind of with you. We agree, my friend. Hey, I appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in, Fernando. 70- okay, take care, guys.
0: Thanks, Fernando. Thanks, I appreciate for it. 702-221-7283.
1: All seven two eight three. All right, that's about enough of U N L B football against the Idaho State powerhouse. Let's talk a little Las Vegas Aces. Uh, so, Chris and I, of course, were at the game yesterday. Let mm-hmm. me start by the positives. Phenomenal crowd. Phenomenal, unbelievable
0: product. atmosphere, yeah, right, Brian?
1: Phenomenal. It yes. was sold out yesterday. The fans were loud. Uh, they they lost the game, but it had nothing to do with the support. No. Uh, you want to talk about the opposite? A franchise that is a good product. And that gets a ton of support from athletes and celebrities. And the fans came out. And I give the fans a ton of credit. It was a phenomenal atmosphere. And I think it's the perfect place for the Aces to play in that arena.
0: You hey. will not find a better atmosphere yep. in the WNBA yep. and in the playoffs than yep. here in Las Vegas. So it was great. Yes. And I give the fans a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Hey, good product. All right, so
1: Seattle come to town. We know that Sue Bird, uh, you know, she's not she's not someone that's going to score. But she's a legend. So it's nice to see her. In, she's not what she used to be. No, but yeah. no, nowhere close. But... Yeah. Fun to see her uh, but I got to tell you uh, my favorite player to watch in the WMBA all due respect to the aces is Brianna Stewart. she is a beast I mean she can score from anywhere she's impossible to guard and she was a joy to watch yesterday because she is, she is phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal basketball player. At her size, too. Yeah. She's, she's able to do. Impossible
0: to guard. From an agility standpoint.
1: Yeah. Yep. She's, she's a, a tough to guard. I don't care who you are. Uh, so, so that was fun to watch. There's a couple things I take away from this game. And by the way, the Aces lost by three points. First of all, to me, you can't put yourself in the hole that the Aces put them in to start this game yesterday. I mean, they were down big early. They were down double digits early. You it was 17-4 to four coming out of the gate. Now, if you're yeah. playing against the Phoenix Mercury without three of your starters, you can get away with it that. But you're not going to get away with that against a team, one of the favorites to win the WNBA championship, which is Seattle. You're not going to get away with that. And I felt like and, and they were uphill the entire game. They finally got over the hump, but I feel like it took a lot out of them. They took a one-point lead in the fourth quarter, and I give them credit for clawing themselves back in the game, and I'm not surprised. But again, you, you got to get off to a better start. That's number one. Number two, I understand that they missed a lot of shots yesterday, and it's probably the worst they'll shoot the basketball in the in the playoffs. They did not shoot the ball well. But with that being said, when you play a team like Seattle, this is the problem when you play an, a run-and-gun type offense, which is what they do, and they do it very well. I'm talking about the Aces. In the playoffs, against a very good defensive team in Seattle that is very capable of getting back in transition, you have to run a better half-court offense. And in my personal opinion, while they did miss some easy buckets, everything was too much one-on-one. I didn't think they shared the ball very well. And I think that's part. they took a lot of difficult shots as well. And um, I think that was a big... Part of why they didn't shoot the ball well. Again, did they miss some easy shots? Sure. But they also took a lot of contested shots. To me, this is the biggest factor in the game, besides the slow start, is Asia Wilson. Part of it is on Asia Wilson. She's got to be better. I think she scored eight points yesterday. That's unacceptable for someone who's an MVP candidate. That's number one. I do give credit to Seattle because every single time she touched the ball, they made life for her very difficult. A lot of double teams. Mm -hmm. They're not getting Asia Wilson the ball where she wants it. She wants it at the free throw line. That's where she's most confident. She can pull up and shoot from from that range, very capable of that, and then maybe a spin move. She likes space. The spacing was terrible in that game yesterday, and Becky Hammond knew it. Their spacing was really bad. You've got to give Asia Wilson a little bit of space, and then if you give her space and a double comes, someone's going to be wide open. Asia Wilson did not have enough time to do what she needed to do. With that being said, I don't think she was very good with the basketball. She got beat. The whole team got beat, the physical aspect of the game. Uh, I think the Aces have more talent on this team. They don't have a great bench, but they have more talent. Uh, but in my personal opinion, Asia Wilson is what really gets this team going. Uh, I thought Stokes had a not a very good game. I mean, listen, she had nine rebounds and four points, and I understand they have some injuries, and Stokes is getting more minutes. She got beat up on the glass. Uh, she's not a very good defensive player. She just isn't. Uh, and I think she hurt the team a little bit. Jackie Young didn't have a great game. Uh, Kelsey Plum, an average game for her. We know how skilled she is. Mm-hmm. She did have 20 points. She missed two threes at the end of the game that would have tied it. Uh, you give her the basketball and give her two looks like that, she's probably going to make one of them. Uh, and, you know, listen, Chelsea Gray certainly woke up in the second half, but I, I want to see that fourth quarter Chelsea Gray in the first quarter. you got to get off to a better start. Um, and I look at Seattle, and I give them a lot of credit. I thought, I think they're very well coached. They have a very good head coach. They were very prepared. Uh, they came out of the gates really solid, and you can't make the excuse, oh, well, you know, the Vegas uh, Aces, you know, they had too much downtime. So did Seattle. Seattle was ready to go. They were more battle-tested in the first round. I get that, and that probably helped Seattle. But now you put yourself in a situation, Chris, where you absolutely – have to win game two. And when uh, the head coach of your team says they were nerves and they were tight and they had too much weight on their shoulders, that is not a good sign. The head coach is calling out her team and saying, you guys played tight, you were nervous. That's not good. Now, this is a must-win on Wednesday. I think we all could agree. If you go down two games to zero in a best-of-five series, you're forcing yourself to not only win two games in a row on the road, but also winning a game five coming back here. Not going to happen. I think we all could agree, must win on Wednesday. You want to talk about pressure. All the pressure now is on the Las Vegas Aces.
0: A couple of points I want to make, Brian. Obviously, when you have huge expectations like the Las Vegas Aces have, and you're going into a big series deeper into the playoffs, we're in the semifinals now in, in uh, in this playoff run. What comes into play, especially when you have a majority of younger players that haven't been in this situation. Obviously, Asia Wilson has been in the league for, what, three, four years? So she's been been in these types of situations. But a lot of these players have not. So what happens? What raises its ugly head, Brian? It's called nerves. And look... Becky Hammond mentioned this in the post game press conference. talked about it. You just you just mentioned it two minutes ago that they uh, you know were absolutely playing like they were tight. That was clearly evident mm-hmm. that the Aces just weren't. You talked about missing shots. When you miss shots that yeah. you're supposed to make, when you're blowing wide open layups, that's absolutely nerves. So I think nerves did come into play. Also, uh, a, a major point in this game is defensively what Seattle was what it was able to do with. With Aja Wilson, you 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 pointed it out. It's an MVP caliber player. She's someone that's usually you know a twenty and 10 10 person on that on the court. It just wasn't the case in that game yesterday. She has to absolutely be more instrumental. She's got to be absolutely more instrumental. Okay, moving forward there. So you have that coming into play. Also, Mm -hmm. you had you had a situation where you talked about Brianna Stewart. How about the game? That uh, you know that uh, that Jewel Lloyd had. Jewel Lloyd was a big time factor in this game yesterday. She uh, uh, had, had upwards of thirty points. Was uh, offensively hit some huge shots down the stretch. That game when that game got tight, you mentioned in the fourth quarter, Vegas took a 65-64 lead, and you almost got the impression, you know, with the backing of the crowd and with that atmosphere, that Vegas was going to p- had a chance to, to maybe pull away and mm. get grab like a five, six, seven point lead. Right. Was not the case. Seattle was able to weather that storm. No pun intended. Yep. And and end up uh, being you know and and end up uh, holding on to that basketball game, yep. and then you come down to the and then you come down to the wire, and then anything can happen. Of course, you have a, a, a scenario where Kelsey Plum had a couple of threes late in that game, and yep. and especially uh, basically at the buzzer to tie the game, and it doesn't happen. So, so you got to if you're Vegas. Look, you have these high expectations. You're expected to win the title. If they don't win the title this year, it's going to be a disappointment. Right. So their backs are clearly against the wall, and we have a game too. And look uh, to, to 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 PTL listeners out there and watchers. Uh, Brian and I had a conversation after in, in you know in the in the tunnel down at uh, at Michelob Ultra Arena, and Brian made the comment to me. He said, "You you said to me, you said, look, I'm going to be shocked." You said you're gonna be you're gonna be shocked mm-hmm. if they don't win game two. And I kinda tempered that. I was like, look, I I don't think I'm going to be necessarily shocked. I don't know if that's necessarily a word I would All use. Right, so I me- would say I'd be surprised but I'm not going to be shocked. Right, so Ryan, let me let me give you a few.
1: Let me give you a few reasons why I make that comment. First yeah. of all, you have Becky Hammond, who is uh, phenomenal, at making adjustments. She's a great head coach, mm-hmm. and I trust that she will do that. Number two, uh, their backs are against the wall. This Las Vegas Aces team, good teams when their backs are against the wall, they respond. I believe they will respond. Number three, Seattle came in here, and even the head coach admitted it. We were trying to get one. Hey, it'd be great if we got two, but uh, you know, I don't think you're going to see the same Seattle team uh, as physical as they were in a game one, and I think you're going to see the Aces punch them in the mouth early. I think they're going to get out to a nice early lead, and I expect them to win on Wednesday. And yes, I would be very surprised if the Aces lost on Wednesday when you have the coach of the year in Becky Hammond. You have, uh, not that Seattle doesn't have a great coach either, great Boy. players, but you talk about incentive, momentum. Uh, or, or uh, In this case, maybe it's not momentum, but it's backs against the wall. You're forced to, to win, and they know that. The season basically is over if they lose on Wednesday. So I expect uh, the crowd's going to be just as good as it was over the weekend. I think it's going to be rocking in there. I believe it's sold out. Uh, I believe the Aces are going to come out much stronger and they're gonna get out to a a nice lead early and that's what I believe is going to happen now if you asked me before game one because I didn't really give my predictions on the air I thought it was going to be a very close game uh I didn't have really an opinion either way uh if you asked me before game one I said I think I wouldn't be surprised if the aces won the game but it's going to be a tight one I didn't think the aces would come out the way they did so a couple things real quickly here first of all the aces do not have a very good bench and I knew that would come to bite them a little bit. Seattle has a better bench, in my opinion. Uh, the Aces, do, and, and look, with Hamby being out, that doesn't help. That hurts them. But the Aces are just not very deep, they're not very deep. And that's problem number one. And again, problem number two. Besides, uh, you know, offensively, half-court offense. What I said about Asia Wilson getting the ball in a better spot. This has to do with what I'm talking about right here. Their half-court offense. This is a team that was able to get away throughout the regular season, scoring in transition, scoring in transition.
0: I, I, don't, I think it was like 16-0 in transition yesterday. That's unacceptable. Well, the Aces were the the highest scoring team in the WNBA. I mean, it was an electric because offense all they're season used long.
1: pushing the ball yeah. up the floor and other teams not getting back on defense. Mm-hmm. Seattle is a veteran team, they understand that we got to slow the Aces down, and at some point, doesn't matter whether you're the Golden State Warriors and the NBA, who love to run the ball, but at some point you have to run your offense, half-court offense, right, against a good defensive team. They did it with Boston. I'm saying the same thing here. In this aspect, Seattle's a very good defensive team. They get back in transition. They proved that yesterday, and if this Aces team is unable to score in transition, which they proved they couldn't yesterday, they have to be able to score consistently, in the half court, they didn't do that yesterday. They didn't do that. And by the way, Seattle didn't exactly shoot the ball great either, and the Aces defense in my personal opinion was not the problem yesterday. They held them under 80 points. The problem were the Aces getting it done on the offensive end of the floor, and they were unable to do that. So listen, I expect them to come out and play well on Wednesday. I expect them to win game two in a must-win
0: game Uh, And I expect Becky Hammond to come out with the adjustments that I believe she will. But but let me push back on your cliches, Brian, with some of my own cliches. Right, you talked about backs against the wall. uh, You know what's expected of the Aces in this series, or expected. You know, game two, it's 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 a you know it's it's a win. uh, You know, it's 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 a must-win situation, right, for the Aces. I'll counter you with this: the Seattle Storm. You just said it. The, the the coach talked about how you know it'd be great just to get a split when you're in Vegas. Let me tell you something. They're playing with house money. There's my cliche right there. Playing yeah. with house money in Chris Vegas never right plays now. With house money. Seattle <laughs> is you know they, they're going into game they're going into game two knowing they already have one in the bag, my friend. Ryan, the they already played? know they already know they've you, got one in me. your back pocket. Yeah. You know, Chris, so, well, I mean, I'm just trying to finish my point. You I know, know you don't have, to have to jump in. When was and, the last and time you me. played with but house money. But I'm saying like you know, hey. So the point being is like, hey. What about the Brian? You you and I cover basketball a long time, man. Whether it's college basketball, the NBA, or the WNBA, it's all about matchups, right? Especially in the playoffs, there's teams that might necessarily have more talent, but right. if it's a bad matchup, you could lose that series. This maybe it's a bad matchup for Vegas, and I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate here. Game two is absolutely not signed, sealed, and delivered. For the Las Vegas Aces. Right, so I'll tell you what. Seattle could go in there Fine. because of the matchups I'll, and because of the mentality okay. that a lot of their players two have. Two questions. And, and take game two. I have two questions. First yeah. of all, uh, when was the last time
1: you played with House Money when you were playing Man Manquino? It's been a while. It's, it, it's a very infrequent, I will say that. <laughs> okay, and fair not, enough. And, yeah. That was my question. That was a cheap shot. Uh, number two, <laughs> I will give you two to one. If you would like to make a wager with me right now, you give me minus two hundred because there's no juice. It's you and me betting. Is this legal? I don't know. Minus two hundred. You give me minus two hundred. I take the aces. I'll give you plus two hundred. Will you make a bet with me so we don't have to bet with the books? We can bet with each other. Yeah. All right. How much?
0: Uh wait, wait, wait. wait am I? <laughs> I'm plus two hundred. Is what you're saying? So you're saying that if no, the, I'm going to get. I want. I, wins, no, I expect you to give I me get the double aces, my plus money, 200. and then of I just. Course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll wager for it with you on that. I'll How throw much? a twenty-five spot on that for it. And just, just so for fun. twenty-five just for pays
1: twelve fifty for me, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Bet twenty five dollar yeah, bet. It's, it's, it's bet. the purpose. Of, it's not. It's not. It's not about how much money it is. It's the principalities. How about 25? As big perm. I mean, big worm said on Friday. It's about the. You know. It's about. It's about yeah. the. How about it's the mentality. It's about the. Bet. It's about the reasoning behind it. Can we do. It's not about Twenty five hundred to win twelve fifty for me. Can we do that? <laughs> yeah.
1: No, we can't that's, do that. That's kind of rough. Can dude. you put your car on it? I need a car. Daddy Warbucks over here. Come on now. <laughs> Fair enough. You, right.
0: you already pointed it out. Are you already pointed it out there. I played. By yeah, the play way, to Chris's
1: credit. Yes. Unlike other people that I used to work with, Chris will pay his debts. Uh, he will. He yes, will. He, he will pay his debt. If, if uh, by the way, I don't know what the line is. It's probably somewhere around what I gave. you. I think you. the Aces anyway.
0: win again on Wednesday. But it's I gave be, you a good line. Look here. Yeah, I'm just saying this. This idea that you would be. Sh- I'm still stunned by that comment, Num Chuck. That you would be shocked. That you'd be blown away. If no. Seattle took a 2-0 lead in this series, I'd really? also be shocked. Really? You Would won? you be shocked? I'd you be. Sh- saw- I'd you be sh- were there yesterday. I'd be you shocked. shocked- saw what happened. I'd be
1: shocked if you ever walked out of a, a gaming bar with money. I'd also be shocked at that. But um, but um, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Chris taking taking the hits. All right. Yes. We have a bet. We have we we have action. Uh, and You don't have to make it with a casino. We just yeah. made it. There you go. All right. We're going to take a break, Chris. When we come back, uh, so you showed me a video over the weekend. You sent me it, a video of Gavin Newsom doing a, uh, an interview uh, out there in California yeah. uh, as the governor uh, in regards to the Republican Party. And what he said I thought was very poignant to the way I think Democrats need to start thinking a little bit more. And I'm going to play a little bit of that audio for you. And also coming up, by the way, at the bottom of the hour – uh, we're going to be speaking with Real Kid Poker, Danny DeGrown. You talk a little VGK hockey. But hey, folks, you listen to the first hour and say, wait, he hasn't mentioned uh, the orange turd's name once. Don't worry, we'll get to that next segment, I promise you. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. He's Chris Wynn. I'm Brian Shapiro, uh, minus the drilling. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Monday. So glad you could join us. Hey, we got six-time World Series of Poker champion and BGK superfan Danny Negrano will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. I got some good news, folks. You know, we were at the Sapphire uh, Gentlemen's Club uh, pool, topless pool and day club uh, a few weeks ago, and I got to tell you, that was a fun show. Uh, I love these guys over there. They, they, they Great management, beautiful women, great staff, great food, great atmosphere. Well, good news. We're going to be back. We're lucky enough that they have invited us back to help host their Monday Night Football Party, their starting party, which is the first Monday Night Football game of the year, which is September 12th. Listen to this, folks. This is, like, wild. If you're a local, you walk in there, open bar, 4 to 7 p.m. I know Chris Wynn is What chom- a deal! Yeah, I'm chomping at we the We love be- that. Open bar and free food! Now, I like that. Open bar and free food uh, for Monday Night Football. Uh, This is September 12th. It's the first Monday Night Football game of the year. It's between the Broncos and the Seahawks where we will be there. Now, they're doing these parties every week for Monday Night Football, but we are going to be there week one, be hosting a podcast out there. We're going to have a lot of fun, so come out and say hello. That is Monday, September 12th, open bar, 4 to 7 p.m., free food. You can't beat it. And and watch some football, some beautiful women, free food and drinks. Chris, I'm in heaven. Why would you not want to go to Sapphire? Uh, to watch Monday Night Football. So I hope you all can come out there and uh, say hello. It's going to be a fun night. He's Chris Wynn. I'm Brian Shapiro. Uh, We've been talking a lot about this crazy, fun sports weekend in Vegas. right? We had Patriots in town, Raiders. All kinds of action going Uh, on. We had had the Aces. We had UNLV football. I I went to see... uh, Quickly, before we get to the politics, uh, Collective Soul Show uh, with Switchfoot. How was that, how'd that go down? Uh, it was pretty cool. So it was at Sunset Station. It was an outdoor venue, so it was a little hot, a little muggy out there. But it was pretty cool because um, one of my favorite Collective Soul songs is a song called "Gel." And right before they start singing it, this 12-year-old, he's like 12 or 13, I think, he has a sign-up that says, hey, I want to play this song with you. And, you know, some of these bands, it's starting to become viral now, where you get these yeah. fans to come up and actually play an instrument and play a song with the band – um and uh so he went up there and he actually played the song on an acoustic guitar this
0: 13-year-old with the band up there.
1: I mean, how cool was that? that Those
0: was- are always the best clips, right? When you get you know a young fan who is actually a musician and can go up there and kill it. Right. I've seen it a couple times the yeah. fu- when back when uh, the Foo Fighters uh, before yeah. Taylor Hawkins passed that was away. was cool, man. They used yeah. to do that all the time. They get a fan up there that uh, it was cool, could
1: yeah. actually play. It was fun. Yeah, and, no, he was good. The, and so hit the guitar. I got this kid's number, not because I'm a pedophile, because I want him to come on the show and and uh, get his band. He's in a band. He's 13 years old. So I uh, we're going to get them in to play a few songs. I thought it was pretty cool, man. If I was 13 years old and I got up there with one of my favorite bands and I had to play a song, I would crap my pants, okay? So he looked pretty comfortable up there. Anyways, it was a fun night. It was a good show. And uh, I had a great time. Alright, so I believe one of the people coming up and rising in the Democratic Party uh, that could be the next president of the United States is a guy by the name of Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. He's a good-looking guy, Uh, don't get me wrong, that's a part of it. Uh, He's well-spoken, he's intelligent, and Democrats seem to like him a lot, and I think some independents are starting to like him too. So he did an interview over the weekend, and it wasn't about his political aspirations. And it wasn't about the wonderful job he's doing in California. He was asked about the state of politics today. And I thought part of the answer he gave here that we are going to play, he was just right on the money, man, and it was just so articulate. So this is Gavin Newsom being asked about the Republican Party and politics today. Have a listen to this. State after state, attacking minorities, attacking vulnerable communities, threatening the Special Olympics with fines, going after the LGBTQ community saying if you've been raped by your father, you don't have the right to express yourself by deciding what to do for yourself and right over your own body? I don't like it. I don't like DeSantis, just the, the way he talked about Fauci. He could disagree with people. Yeah, they're bullies. My mom used to wash my mouth out with soap if I talk like that. I don't like what's happening. Threatening people if they come to California for reproductive rights in states like Texas? I mean, Bounties? I mean, it's a serious moment in American history. So. Why I'm doing those ads, and it's because I can't take it. I got to sleep at night. It's not because of any ambition. My ambition literally is to be judged to have lived in this moment and not to regret having not met this moment. Couldn't agree more. Uh, every day that I'm on the radio and every day that I've been doing this, uh, at least the political talk, for five plus years or so. Um, I'm always speaking my mind, as you know. It doesn't mean I'm always going to be right, but I, I call out the nonsense, whether it's medical misinformation from somebody on my social media yesterday uh, or it's uh, praising the orange turd and, and, and the great leader that he is and the hero that he is, whatever the case may be. He's absolutely right about Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is an absolute bully, and he's a dictator with some of the stuff he's done. Oh, you don't believe me? Oh, Brian, he's not a dictator. Oh, really? Well, why don't you look at the whole Disney thing? Why don't, why don't you look at when Disney said they didn't agree with one of Ron DeSantis's policies What did he do? He punished them financially. That's what a dictator does. Okay, attacking people for wearing masks. That disgusting moment when he's on a stage with kids wearing masks. This was a while back. And he said, Take those off. You know, he's a bully. That's what he is. He's a mini Trump bully, is what he is. He might be a little bit more well spoken than Trump. He might be a little bit less offensive than Trump, but he is a mini Trump. So when he calls out, and by the way, he called out Governor Abbott as well. And I love it when when Gavin does this. I love it when he calls out the extreme right. Why? Because he's correct. That's why. And, and you know what? He's showing intelligence, class in doing so, but he's pointing out these topics, whether it be abortion. I mean, what type of human being are you? Even Joe Rogan, by the way, agrees with me on this one. What type of human being are you? Where if you have a young girl, I mean anybody that's raped, really, but even in the most extreme situation, a young 10 or 11-year-old girl that's raped – And you have to tell her father and mother she has to have that child. You are a sick human being. And you are an SOB as far as I'm concerned. Do what you want with your own family. Don't push your ridiculous, alt-right religious beliefs on other people. Gavin Newsom is 100% right. And I don't know why I'm doing this with my hand because now I'm like Donald Trump all of a sudden. I don't know what just happened there. But... Chris, I would
0: imagine you probably agree with the me. sentiment that was expressed right there by Governor Gavin Newsom is spot on, and a lot of us Democrats. Brian, you said that this is the way a lot of Democrats should be thinking, right along those same lines. Let me tell you something: a lot of Democrats do think that along the same line. We are absolutely on board with everything he said. He uh, he really did paired a lot of things I've said on the show, right, Brian, with respect to there's just not serious people in politics these days. Mm -hmm. There's just people, you you just mentioned the word misinformation. How much misinformation, especially regarding things like COVID-19 and Dr. Anthony Fauci, the demonization of Dr. Anthony Fauci that took place during COVID and still takes place today by people that that call themselves Republicans or that are essentially retrumplicans. And, and want to make COVID-19 into a Democrat versus Republican thing. Mm-hmm. And that there's this Republican way to handle COVID. And there's Democratic way to handle COVID. It's nonsense. Yes. And going back to what Gavin Newsom said in that, in that comment, there is just not serious people that are in positions of leadership in politics in this country right now. We have way too many people that are adolescents, that, are, that act like six- and seven-year-olds. That are in positions of power in Washington D.C. and I'm not going to say it's all Republicans. It's not. There's some Democrats out there that are also immature and have no business being in a position of leadership. But we, but it's mostly right wingers. It's the you know it's Margie Taylor Greens. It's the it's the Josh Hollies. It's the you know uh, it's the Lauren Boberts. It's the it's the Matt Gates. It's those people. That have you know that are sucking all the oxygen up in the room, right? And that we're that are are taking up a ton of media because of what? Because of misinformation? Because of an ideology that's jacked up? And because you're you're saying things that aren't factually accurate? You're saying things that are that are you you, you use the word too offensive, right? And there it, there is a lot of racism out there, and the racism is not coming from the left wingers. It's not coming from the Democrats. Right. It's coming from right wingers, mm-hmm. and so. To circle back to what to, to, to Gavin Newsom, his point is spot on, and he brings up his, 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 the age thing, right? Because he's, he's, he's in my age range, maybe a little bit older. Point being is that back in our day, our parents would have washed our mouth out with soap if we made comments like Ron DeSantis made. I'm not even going to give him the respect of calling him Governor DeSantis because it was despicable despicable what he said about Dr. Anthony Fauci. You are a governor in this country. You do not make comments like that. It's the same thing along the lines, Brian, of the let's go Brandon BS. This let's go Brandon thing, that grown adults using that term. Well, I'll tell you what. You're supposed to be parents out there. I'm going on a rant here, of. I'll tell you You're why. supposed to be parents out there. You're supposed yeah. to be leaders in the community. I'll tell you're you. supposed to be, want to be public, public officials. I'll tell and you. you're using a let's go Brandon moniker. We all know what that means. I'll, I'll tell Come you on, why. man. Get it together.
1: I'll tell you why they do yeah. what they do. Uh, it's the same reason why a local here, Sam Peters, does Let's Go Brandon. His, and that's what, garbage. Okay, I'll tell you why is, yes, they do garbage. what they do. The reason why they do what they do is because most, not all, but most in the base, the Republican Party, love it. Because a lot of people in the Republican Party today, in my personal opinion, are despicable. They love the Let's Go Brandon chant. By the way, uh, what is it? Uh Black Brandon, I think, is is, is tagging on on Twitter. Is, is popular on Twitter, and it's another what's word. that all about? Uh, what it what it is is positive Brandon. Uh, it's what you know, Joe Biden supporters. They're using the term Black Brandon or oh, something really? along those. or Dark Brandon? Brandon, I think, is what they're using. Uh, dark Brandon, and, and they're making him out to be accomplishments. You know, it's a new saying, I guess. But okay. anyway, the reason why they uh, Ron DeSantis goes after Anthony Fauci is not because Ron DeSantis thinks that Fauci is this horrible person who wants to innocently, you know, kill innocent people. The reason why DeSantis does what he does is the same reason why Donald Trump does what he does. Because the base loves it. They love it. The were the, the out there love it when you go after Anthony Fauci. They love it. And Ron DeSantis is despicable. Mm-hmm. And anybody else who's... Uh, you can... Dis- listen, he's absolutely right. Uh... You can say things and disagree with Fauci, but to do what DeSantis has done and to do what some of these right-wing morons have done is despicable. Let me open up the phone lines at 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you want to be a part of the conversation, 702-221-7283. What are your thoughts about Gavin Newsom's comments and the interview he did over the weekend? I thought it was one of his better interviews because I think he was being—I don't think I know. He was being honest. It's the same reason why I go on the air every day and call out uh, the alt-right for what they do every single day, not because I'm a Democrat or liberal, because I understand between right and wrong. I can differentiate. Again, that number, two two Let's go to John. John, what's going
0: on? Hey, John.
2: Hey, man. Hey, uh, I absolutely loved what uh, Newsom did, and I, I loved even more what uh, Beto O'Rourke did the other day when he dropped the, uh, the mofo bomb on the, the right-wing nut job that tried to uh, crash his little party there. Look, Donald Trump's his his main trait, his main quality, which which is, has advanced him in this world of politics, which he's wholly inadequate, and his motives are totally evil, is he projects strength. And Joe Biden hit on it the other day when he said, "If if you know, he used the word semi-fascist, call him a fascist, Joe." You know, you've got look. Trump's base are uneducated whites; they're yeah. dumb. They're like dogs, man. They just, they, they're like dog. Dogs don't understand what you're saying, but they know who's projecting strength. And, uh, and that's what the Democrats need to do. They need to stop pussyfooting around, call it like it is. You know, and just let it hang out, man. It's it, we can't risk having Trump again. He'll destroy the country. We need to project strength. We need—they're bullies. You just need to punch them in the mouth.
0: So, John, remember when Hillary Clinton made that comment regarding deplorables, right? And the and the Trump base, and saying that it was—she said it was half of the people out there. And you remember. A lot of the Trump supporters they try, they, they put this this uh, mirage on where they said, "Oh we wear that like a badge of honor because yeah, we, 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 that uh, we're, we're, we're part of the Trump deplorables. Now what Hillary, when Hillary was wrong about about that, right John, was the sheer number. It's not half of the people that supported Republicans or Donald Trump in 2016. But let me tell you something, right, John and Brian, there is a huge number of americans out there that are deplorable there are millions of you out there that suck as human beings that 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 support donald trump and so she, the sheer number she was wrong it's not it's not 40 50 million but i'm telling you what by the it's way, a good number of millions by, that are by the way deplorable. John, so she was just wrong about the whole number if you're
1: wondering what donald j trump is is yeah. tweeting on his truth social by the way today he goes on his truth social and what is he talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. Exactly. He, he's trying yeah. to deflect again, and he's, he's talking about Hunter Biden's laptop, and uh, he said, so now it comes out conclusively that the FBI buried the Hunter Biden laptop story before the election. <laughs> that is not true. Again, Donald Trump is lying. Nothing was buried. There are people in the FBI that investigated, and they made decisions based on evidence or lack thereof. He doesn't yeah, know what he's it, talking about. It,
2: He's doing more than that. He's declaring he won. He's projecting strength. That's all. He never takes a step back. He always projects strength. And the fish, the little sheepdogs, who are you know, they're just not they're just not smart enough to understand. Uh, you know, the, the issues and what's at stake, they just follow the loudest voice. They follow the leader. And, and by and the ch- way,
1: John, uh, when you look at the, up the term strength or any type of strength at all, you think of somebody who probably doesn't dodge the military lying about bone no spurs, right? Yeah. I mean, isn't that the opposite of strength?
2: He's a snot-nosed, spoiled rich kid who inherited $400 million from dad. He screwed his family in, yeah. in the process of trying to, to, to garner it all. He's a scumbag. By the way, look what he
1: retweeted on on Truth Social. Uh, Some Truth Social moron wrote, the FBI interfered in the election and put the people who protested on January 6th in prison. Uh, Donald Trey Trump uh, retweets that on his Truth Social and says, wow, well said. It it, it really is comical. It's comical. I mean, you
0: have to laugh, right, John, or else you're just going to get upset. I mean, that's what I have to do. I have
2: to tackle when I hear that. It's just fiction. It's just project strength. It's just, you know, you're 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 three steps away from yeah. wearing an orange jumpsuit. I w- a suit. I won the election. I demand all my yeah. documents back. It's just that's yeah. all it is. It's just you know what we like- should
1: give him. We should give him credit though, or credit. And by the way, John, I do appreciate the call. Let's give Donald Trump thanks, John, because I heard a rumor that he was on the 18th fairway, uh, not uh, trying to figure out a yardage uh, to to hit his iron shot. Well, he probably wouldn't be in the fair; he'd be in the rough. But I heard a rumor that you know he uh, he interrupted his round to go visit his dead ex wife uh, in in the middle of the 18th fairway.
0: And we all know the whole backstory surrounding <laughs> that with respect to uh, financial benefits of having your ex spouse buried yeah. on your golf course because so that's a very just,
1: that's a very normal. I mean, thing it's just such sordid yeah.
0: stuff. And, and yeah,
1: don't give her a proper burial or a yeah. private place. Put her right do it in, for tax purposes. Yeah, r- right on yeah. your golf course, you you scumbag of the earth. What a scummy piece of garbage. And I'm irony, sorry, ladies irony and gentlemen. Brought, Brian, how, can irony. You, how can you, at this point, I don't care how much you hate Joe Biden. I don't care how much you hate Democrats. There are Republicans out. How, at this point, can you still support this man? How can you be a decent human being with an IQ over 20 and say to yourself today, I'm still a loyal supporter of Donald Trump. I do not want to be associated with you if you're one of those people. I can't, and I won't. But Brian, the irony
0: is this. It's the people like evangelicals who still to this day support Donald Trump. These are people that are supposed to be people of faith that support a guy that has absolutely no principles that align with yours if you're so if you're a person of faith or an evangelical American. He just doesn't. He is is to, now look. From a political standpoint, I might, be, I, I might, I guess maybe, I guess I understand because you because Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul and the powers that be, the Republicans, get to do stuff when people like Trump are in charge, right? And Trump, even though he has an R next to his name, he's not a Republican, but he has an R next to his name, yeah. so I kind of understand that. But still, it is beyond beyond ironic that the some of the, the way certain people are in America, evangelicals, I'm speaking about right now, support the likes of Donald Trump. It is crazy. Justin, what audio do you have for us here? I'm confused. You said you have some audio. to
1: play I have a really
3: have. funny Trump audio. It's not Trump. It's a, somebody begging Trump to help.
1: What do they need help with? Just listen. Okay.
0: Trump! If you see this, please save us! I don't even see our American flag anymore. Biden's talking with some kind of crazy flag. (laughs) This is America. This is our land.
3: Please, President Trump. Please, please, I hope you have a plan.
1: Actually, I think that was a... uh live video of Joey Gilbert. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I think that was a live feed. I don't know. I have to confirm that. Uh, that so, it sounded like it took place
0: like in a urinal or in a bathroom yeah, yeah. somewhere She's in her bathroom, with a lot of porcelain sure. around. That's yeah. That's a check. That was, that's a check, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But there was, were those genuine? Uh, ladies and gentlemen? I, I think she thought those were genuine tears. A, oh my gosh, there it is right there. I can <laughs> uh, see welcome it. to Donald Trump's base,
1: ladies and gentlemen. There you have it. Uh, I would be willing well, to bet... Why am not shocked that I I would be willing, I I would be willing to yeah. bet that this lady probably doesn't have a college degree from Harvard or an Ivy League school. I think that's a fair bet she to She doesn't make. have a
0: college degree from yeah. Framingham State, yeah. Yeah. Brian. <laughs> or real. Central Connecticut. Uh,
1: maybe not even a high school degree. Uh, if you think Donald Trump is going to help you, ladies and gentlemen, then you've got another thing
0: coming to you. This I'm association sorry. with Donald Trump... Trump... Trump and love of America, too, baffles me beyond all belief, because as a veteran myself, someone who served this country, someone who was in the military, this uh, this complete BS notion that Donald Trump somehow has a love of America that, that Trump's, no pun intended, other public officials in any way, shape, or form, in and including... The current president of the United States, Joe Biden, again, is another farce and is another complete fantasy.
1: Uh, it, it definitely is. Um, and it's uh, – listen, there are a lot of women with fantasies in this country. I'm sure Marjorie Taylor Greene would love to spend a few, uh, a few moments with uh, Donald Trump. Maybe in the. Oh, show.
0: don't do it, yeah, Brian! Uh, don't put the uh, visual in my head uh, and the maybe. listener's head. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. With respect to that, that's oh, that's brutal, man. Yeah, yeah. You just toss that out there. Like yeah. a, it's like a grenade. It's yeah. like a Brian Shapiro grenade right there. You just tossed out. Yeah. There.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, that'd be that'd be fun to watch for some people, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> listen. We're in some very strange times in this country. Gavin Newsom is right, Brian. And, he is right. And uh, I think Gavin Newsom is, is probably the best shot that Democrats have you now if the election started tomorrow. I would e- Even with the great month, and by the way, you can't deny it, Joe Biden's had a really good month. He's passed some really important bills. He's helped a lot of people. He's gotten a lot done. Uh, Joe Biden's really, and I've gone over the list of, of the things that he's accomplished, but even with the good month that he's had, and by the way, uh, it's interesting how Fox News and OAN Newsmax, they don't want to talk about his poll numbers anymore. Geez, I wonder why. Why? Maybe because they've skyrocketed in the last month. That's why. Uh, He's much higher with an approval rating right now than Donald Trump was two years into his presidency. But again, Fox News doesn't want to talk about that. But the bottom line here is this. If the election started tomorrow, I still say the two frontrunners from both parties would be Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis. I I do believe that. I don't know what uh, is going to happen with Trump, but I think he's in a lot of legal trouble. Uh, Those are the frontrunners right now. Listen, a lot can
0: change in the next two years. Um, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. But uh, I want to point, Brian, quick point on Gavin Newsom. He is absolutely an ascending Democrat, and he's someone who is going to be in the picture when it comes to the 2024 election. But fun fact, his ex-wife is Kimberly Guilfoyle. Did you know that? That is true. I did know that. Yes. I don't know what those two had in
1: common. I'm actually shocked. Well, no, but
0: you know that the, you know, yeah. the, uh, the gossip, if Gavin Newsom is, does become a serious yeah. candidate on the Democratic side, you know all, you know all the all the gossippers and the uh, you know yeah. the people in that business are yeah. going to be chirping way, about that left and right.
1: Uh, rumor I did yeah. hear. I, I never I didn't want to be inappropriate and ask the mooch this on the air. He joined us last week, but the rumor is is that Anthony Scaramucci had some relations with Kimberly Kilfoyle as well. Really? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. But it is. You know, listen. A lot of the right wing idiots out there will say that uh, Kamala Harris. You know, she's been on her back her whole life, basically calling her. You know, I'm not even going to say the word. Uh, and that's how she got to where she was. Blah 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 blah. You'll never hear them talk about Kimberly Guilfoyle in that same way, Mm -hmm. or a Republican, or the fact that Lauren Boebert allegedly was a hooker. You'll never hear them talk about that, but a woman... Like her or not, I'm not a big Kamala Harris fan, but I am not going to sit here and say, oh, she slept her way to the top. She's obviously an educated woman. She's intelligent. You can disagree with some of the things she says and her policies or even her vice presidency, but nobody gave her anything, okay? She earned it. She went to school. She earned her degree, and she has a pretty darn good resume. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care located at 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Uh, They are so awesome. I am on, Chris, as you know, Mm -hmm. the testosterone therapy, and I'm going to be honest with you. It's changed my life without getting into too much detail it has changed my life uh, I, I no longer have male breasts which is which is a wonderful thing um I don't have a six pack yet but I don't have that gut that I, I used to have a spare he did, tire. He, he did have a little uh, I've lost it it's a little gone. inner tube there can we agree Little it's, interview gone. Going. It's, it's gone it's gone it is you're looking pretty trash. yeah yeah I'm, I'm, I'm looking all right here uh i wish uh more attractive women would give me compliments but i do appreciate the compliment chris uh well i have sahara west urgent primary care to thank for that uh they accept most insurances if you don't have insurance 95 dollars self-pay you don't even need to make an appointment you can go right in there you can get in and out of there i was in and out of there in 20 minutes number to call 702-248-0554 you can check out their website saharawesturgentcare.com wonderful people and i highly recommend uh going there if you have to if you're not feeling good you got Something wrong, go check him out. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, the guy knows a little bit about poker, right? Six time World Series of Poker champion. He's been pretty much the face of poker over the course of the last two decades. He's also, I think we can agree, an extremely knowledgeable hockey fan, and he also happens to be friends with a guy by the name of Phil Kessel. The Vegas Golden Knights signed him, a former all star. He's been in the league uh, for, (laughs) remember, he started 14 years he's been in the NHL. He's had some really good years. But he's at the end of his career. Is this going to help the Vegas Golden Knights? Daniel Negreanu coming up next. He's going to answer that question for us. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing Limits right
0: here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Brinkley Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino. Just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it.
1: look it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there there's so much misinformation now let me introduce you to former chief deputy district attorney thomas Mossville. he was las vegas's top dui prosecutor for years and prosecuted the most high profile dui cases in clark county no one knows more about dui law in nevada just google it If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you, his relationships with the prosecutors and judges, and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. My J Supreme is the first national three-point contest where the finale ends right here in Las Vegas on Saturday, September 10th at Durango High School. On Championship Saturday, there's going to be $25,000 cash on the line. Winners from across the country will compete for the grand prize. Go watch and support the great cause, which is to raise money for community and gun violence intervention programs. There'll be an interactive fan contest where you can win cash and gift cards. Go to myjsupreme.com for more details. Again, Supreme. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment, and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement, and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client,
0: so please give them a call. 702-248-0554. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget
1: about it. All right, welcome back. It is, uh, I like the choice of music there. I like it. I like it. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Monday. Great sports weekend. we got the college basketball season right around the corner. UNLV football in full swing, so to speak. Of course, the NFL season right around the corner. Let's not forget about hockey, right? Uh, The Vegas Golden Knights preseason not too far away. And, well, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, they had a pretty nice signing there several days ago. Uh, A guy that has been in the NHL since 2006. I was 26 years old. I'm 42 now. Uh, Boy, he's got, uh, you look at his stats, he's got close to 1,000 points in his career, which is pretty incredible. Uh, 557 assists, he's approaching 400 goals. I'm talking about Phil Kessel, and I figure what better person to talk a little VGK hockey and his buddy Phil Kessel than the man himself, six-time World Series of Poker champion and friend of the show. Of course, Real Kid Poker, Daniel Negreanu joining us right down the line. Daniel, as always,
3: I appreciate you coming on, my man. How you doing? Well, thanks for having me. And you know that's my favorite song. Is that why you guys play it for me? Of really course.
1: A thousand percent. Yeah. What it's is your favorite song Bob Marley. Yeah. Out of curiosity, what is Daniel Negreanu's least favorite song to hear? <laughs> I'm curious.
3: Well, anything that has a country tune, talks about whiskey and wine and... And Rhett, I don't know. I'm not a country guy. So if it's country, it's on the bottom of my There's mind. There's a
0: hot song right now called Tennessee Whiskey, right? No, Am I wrong? I'm not a really country guy either, don't Daniel. do I think don't. there is. There's a song out with using those two words that you just talked about, Daniel. I thought you were going to say that. There it is right there.
1: That's it right there. Yeah. Don't play it.
0: My
3: dog done died. I drank a <laughs> bottle of wine. You know, I'm like.
1: I, so I thought you were going to say Kenny Rogers, uh, the Kenny Rogers song, "No When to Hold Him. No, I'm sure you've no, that heard
3: was, that. That was, that was iconic. So, it, is,
1: yeah, I, that was, it is iconic. Mm-hmm. You're right. All right, uh, Mr. VGK fan, let's talk a little hockey. Uh, that's the main reason why I wanted to get you on here. I know you've had a friendship with Phil Kessel, and it's so weird, Danny, right? because like a month and a half ago, I think, we were talking about Phil Kessel, and we were talking about how he'd be a nice addition to the team. What was your first reaction when you heard the Vegas Golden Knights signed Phil Kessel?
3: Well, obviously, Phil and I have been friends since the days when he played in Toronto. Mm-hmm. You know, we played in a little game back then. And, we, you know, we kind of we've been we've hung out ever since when he got traded um, from Toronto to Pittsburgh. I remember he was at the World Series of Poker and we were chatting. You know, we found out the news and, I said, you know, Pittsburgh, I said, you know, it could be worse. He's like Crosby, Malkin. OK, we could do some damage here. So we've been friends for a really long time. Obviously, he loves Vegas. You know, he does like to play poker and whatnot. Um but, you know, last year I thought maybe that we could swing for him instead of Dadanov or something like that. His contract was a little heftier back then. And, um, like, I know, he wa- I mean, he wanted to play here, right? This is the spot. This is, like, you know, perfect for him. Um, having said that, I want to say that, like, the deal he gets for 1.5 is going to be an absolute steal of the offseason. Absolute steal for what he brings to the table. And the way that you build a team properly, as far as I'm concerned, is you think of it in terms of money ball, Right. If you can get a player and you pay him $1.5 million, but he can play at a $3.5 million level, do that across the board and have people exceeding their contracts, all of a sudden, you know, you've got something here. And I think Kessel has a lot to prove this year to people because I, it's funny. When he went to Arizona, yeah. he was sort of a forgotten man where people forget this. Two years ago, there was a 50 56-game game season. He had 20 goals. Yeah. Last year in Arizona, he had 44 assists, only eight goals. His goal total was down. That was more assist than anyone on the Vegas Golden Knights. So what we've done, frankly, is we replaced offensively on the power play a $7 million player who's always injured when you need him with a $1.5 million player who's better offensively on the power play. And guess what? He's the Iron Man in the NHL history.
1: 82 games last year, yep, at his age.
3: When you play, he's played, if you include playoffs, he's already passed. Keith Yandel. He needs eight more to win the regular season. But he also played about 80 playoff games without missing one. You make a good point.
1: On. You make a couple of good points, Daniel. First of all, the point that he stays healthy at his age, which is so important. Number two, and I, and we agree on this, he is still, at his age, a wonderful playmaker. They need that on the power play, which has struggled mightily the
3: last couple of years. Yes, he only had eight goals, but that doesn't mean he can't score 20 in the right well, system, Cudo, right? part of the reason he had eight was because he had to facilitate. That team was made up without a lot of exactly like playmakers on it. So what he did was he took on that role, right? So he was playmaking for other people, put him on a spot with good players as he had with the Crosby, low tangs and in the other mm-hmm. past, put him on a line on, in, you know, an offensive starts with some good players. All of a sudden you're going to see him get more opportunities yeah. to, you know, to have some high danger chances for himself. So yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm not worried about him performing in that regard. I think he's had a bad rap ever since, the Toronto days in terms of not being defensive minded. Listen, he's not the guy you're gonna have out there with a minute left and a three-two lead. Right. But I guess what? If you're down three-two mm-hmm. and you need a goal. Guess who you want in the ice? You're going to want Kessel out.
1: There. No question. And I think something else that we haven't brought up yet, and I think you'll agree with me, is his leadership, his veteran leadership. This guy has been there before. I think he'll be that person in the locker room. They they had some chemistry issues. I think that's fair to say over the last year or two. I actually think that Phil will fit in well with this team, and I think he's going to be that guy. I think he's going to be a fan favorite. Fans are going to love him. He's an outspoken guy. I like his honesty uh, when, when it comes to the media. And uh, I think... Uh, The fans are going to embrace it, and I think they're going to like him. I'm sure you would agree with that.
3: I sort of. I disagree with one part of it in terms Mm -hmm. of the leadership part. He's. I I agree with the second half of what you said. Is he'll fit in well, Mm -hmm. but he's never been that guy. He's not going to be in there and be like, "All right, boys, let's go." You know, like he's not going to take on that role. What he's going to want to do is fit in. Mm -hmm. You know, play his role, be a likable guy on the team. He's like, you know, he's he's well liked within you know within the league. Like people like Phil. He's 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 a peculiar cat to say the least. Um, but he's a lot of fun. I remember one of my favorite interviews he did was with Pierre Maguire. And Pierre says, how's your breath? And Phil looks at him and goes, oh, it's bad, eh? He's yeah. like, no, no, I mean, like, are you fired? He's like, oh, I thought you meant breath is bad. One of my favorite little interviews with him. And then, of course, he made fun of the hot dog story. I don't know if, for those of you yeah. that are new to Phil Kessel. Yeah. There was a guy named Steve Simmons in Toronto who wrote a hit piece on Phil, which is complete baloney, and they figured it out. He doesn't even really eat hot dogs, okay? Mm-hmm. But he made up this story that Phil wasn't in shape, and he was eating hot dogs every day after games or whatever. So after he won the Cup in Pittsburgh, and I got this picture, I got it in my phone, he's on the golf course with the Stanley Cup, and he put six hot dogs in there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I don't remember seeing that picture. Oh my god, that is, that is absolutely hilarious. You know, I, I think of guys on the nights like Petrangelo, we know he's a really, really good player, mm-hmm. but Let's be honest, he's not very well-liked, at least from from what I've heard from players in the locker room. And and, and I hear you. Uh, Kessel won't be that guy, that leadership guy that's going to get in there on the bench and start yelling at people and all that. But I think more importantly, he's a veteran guy, he's well-respected, and when he does decide to speak, people are going to listen. He's going to have people's attention. I wouldn't say that about some of the other guys on this Vegas Golden Knights team, but I think Kessel has earned that respect in the league.
3: You know what Kessel is. You know what you're going to get with Kessel, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the team, to, you know, to its strength to some degree, they're always looking for sort of two-way players, you know, guys that can play both ends and 200-foot play And that's nice to have, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there is value in having guys that are very clear in their role, whether it's Philip Deneau saying he's our shutdown center, we're going to shut it down, or a guy who just scores goals, you know, and plays offense. And that's what Phil Kessel is going to bring to the table. You know, I expect that they're going to fit him in probably on the third line. And, you know, on the power play, I would say just leave him out there. You know, my really my interesting question is going to be how he meshes with Jack Eichel because I've watched a lot of hockey, obviously, and I see a lot of similarities in terms of how they like to drive the power play from the wall. But Phil Kessel does this really cool thing where from the wall he comes up, he brings the puck up to the blue line, and then he, sh- he darts right up the middle mm-hmm. into a high-danger place. He's either going to shoot it or pass and create totally different lanes with a sort of a little loop. Mm-hmm. And I know Jack Eichel's similar in that regard, but listen, Here's the thing: Kessel has proven, especially in the playoffs, that he can elevate his game. Those two seasons where Pittsburgh won the cup, he had 45 points in those two playoffs. Yeah, right. He was it was it was leading the team in one of those seasons, the second. I think he was second in scoring. Yeah. But this is a guy where if it's four-one, right, and there's eight minutes left in the third, he's probably not going to like finish a check. You know what I mean? Right. Right? But if it's 2-2 in the Stanley Cup playoffs, sure. he's going to backtrack. He's going to do all those things. No question. Part of how he's been able to stay healthy mm-hmm. enough to play, you know, he's smart enough not to put himself into dangerous situations. Where he's going to get hurt. And that's more important as you get older. Yep.
0: There's another topic, obviously, on the front burner, and we always get into it, right, Daniel, yourself, me, and Brian, and it's the goaltending situation. Of course, uh, recent news here in the past few days is uh, VGK has come out and said that uh, they're going to be uh, looking at both Logan Thompson as well as Broussois between the pipes this season for the Vegas Golden Knights, obviously because of the situation regarding Robin Leonard. First of all, I want you to get your thoughts. Do you think it's going to be a true type of maybe a platoon situation between these two guys, or do you think someone like like Logan Thompson is going to be able to take the step forward and grab the reins and prove that he is a number one NHL goaltender for the Vegas Golden Knights.
3: Okay, if we're going to use odds and math and statistics, yes. we have to say absolutely not. We have the most, the biggest question mark in the league in terms of goaltending, the worst yes. tandem in the league. We have mm-hmm. Logan Thompson, who did perform well, but he's had 19 starts, right? So he's a rookie. Now, if he's to be expected to take on the number one role over a longer period of time, what also happens too is. Once teams have seen him a little bit, there's a book on it, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. Now they'll be more prepared to figure out, well, listen, is he weak? You know, high blocker side. You know, where where are the holes here? So I have major concerns. I do I do like the fact that they didn't go out and rush and get a goalie yet, because let's see, right? Let's give him 20 games where he can play with Brisson, maybe like a 15-5 split or something like that. If it works out, you know, maybe you don't need to. If not, either A, you just say, you know what, this season is a waste, or B, you say maybe we try to pitch for, you know, getting Varlamov from the Islanders or, you know, even somebody as bad as like James Reimer or something. But I I definitely think the biggest hole in the team by a wide margin right now is goaltending. I think like even when Logan was good in the shootout or whatever, his numbers were just kind of okay. Yeah. Right. Like Robin Lehner last year, people forget. They have like amnesia. The first half of the season last year when they were all banged up yes. he kept them in games he was the mvp of the team by far he got banged up he got hurt his play went as a result of being completely broken um and logan thompson did an okay job but i have major concerns about a young goalie goaltending is probably this is the reason why you see in the league you see 19 year olds playing in the nhl you don't see 19 year old goalies goalies take much longer to develop right so this yes. is going to be a first opportunity i wish him the best i hope you know logan but i do think there's an added pressure now Of of being the guy and um, you know a heavier workload, we have no idea. Historically, his numbers have been good, but I I I mean, listen, if you're looking at like what are the odds that a rookie goalie is just going to be great? It's very rare that happens. Maybe Patrick Waugh, Ken Mm -hmm. Dryden, it's possible, Mm -hmm. but it's an underdog to happen.
1: Understood. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with six-time World Series of Poker champion Danny Negreanu, VGK super fan. So. Daniel Sean Burke, uh, my former goaltender, if you remember the days of the Hartford Whalers, uh, he is—he uh, just was recently hired as the goaltender coach. Uh, and I wanted to get him on the show. We'll be getting the head coach on, but uh, they're not letting Sean do many interviews because of what we were just talking about. There's so much controversy around the goalie situation. You want to talk about a guy that they just hired into a situation that is one of the more difficult goaltender situations in all the NHL as soon as the season starts. Uh, What you said about Logan Thompson, and by the way, he was at the Aces game yesterday. That was kind of cool Mm -hmm. to see him there. He seems like a very confident young man. He -hmm. knows and listen, you have to be confident, right? Maybe a little bit overconfident. I don't no, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think Logan Thompson is ready to be a legit starter in the NHL. I think he could be a backup anywhere. I don't think he's ready to be a legit starter. What do you say, Daniel?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, listen, here's the thing. You don't typically see a rookie goalie spend their first real season as the number 1 guy. Mm-hmm. Usually they are in, you know, a mentored, studied role mm-hmm. where they, you know, they get spot starts, they get good starts, they get good situations for them, you know, to to thrive and develop. So, mm-hmm. he's not, he's sort of being thrown to the wolves right here, and I do think like you said, if you lose your confidence as a goalie, just like a poker player, you're done. Right. So him. if you want to lean towards, you know, under, like overconfident is better than not confident enough. So I, I like to hear that. But, yeah, I think he's in for it. I do think he's got a lot going for him, though, because Bruce Cassidy, the system that he employs, and he says so himself, it's goalie friendly, right? They are going to have men in front of the net. They're going to clear pucks. They're going to do the things they need to to give this guy the best opportunity to shine. Yep. But, yeah, listen, if you're going into the playoffs and we're playing against Colorado— and Logan Thompson's our guy in the net. I don't, I don't, I don't like our chances. Neither do nice. I. Neither do I. And but Kat,
0: isn't there a point, yeah. though, Daniel and Brian, where you, ha- you have to S or get off the pot, right? Kind of mentality, right? Look, it's not like we're talking about Logan Thompson being a 22, 23 year old goaltender. He's 25 years old, right? They're, they're, and to, with respect to his confidence, as Brian talked about, you absolutely got to believe that Logan Thompson thinks, you know what? I am, I'm 25 years old. I'm ready to grab the reins, I'm ready to be that guy. For Vegas or for any team in the NHL, you know, it's, I don't know necessarily think that's overconfidence. I just think that maybe you know, what are we going to wait for? Are we going to wait for Logan Thompson to be 27, 28 years old and be essentially in his prime before no, you expect him to take to no, quote no, no, unquote take the reins? Yeah, like, yeah.
3: What you have to realize too, though, is most rookie goalies mm-hmm. are twenty five. Okay, like twenty five is the age of a rookie. Yeah. Again, we sort of talked about how you know with forwards and defense they play a little bit younger, but goalies mm, right. twenty five is usually. And he, here's the thing. The trajectory for him, and this is the only concern, is of course typically a goalie that young. They play behind the starter, and then they fight for starts, and you know they start to improve. They have one full season under their belt. Mm-hmm. Logan last year was sort of thrown to the wolves. You know he came in and was admirable and did fine, but now he's going to be thrown into a uni- you. You don't see this really anywhere. Like mm-hmm. even Shosturkin, right? Who's maybe the best goalie along with Vasilevsky. His first year, he didn't just start all the games. He was behind Georgiev and Lundqvist, yeah. right? right? So he was sort of fighting for jobs there. So. It's going to be tough for him to put on a full schedule and, you know, to perform at a high level. I do think that Bruce Cassidy will put in a system, as I said, that gives him the best chance. And I think that that'll help a lot. But again, I don't think that that's going to be a strength of ours with uh, the tandem that we have right
1: now. I think as we get closer to the season, I'm going to ask you your predictions throughout the year. And there's so many, you know, there's luck involved, there's injuries involved, there's a lot involved here. But I'll I'll ask you as we get closer to the season. I'm curious about one thing. You talked about uh, being confident. As you being one of the better poker players in the world over the past 20 years, if you've had a really bad session or a bad couple sessions in a row, have you ever gone to a poker table in your career where you were not confident?
3: Absolutely. 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 And part of it has to do with like so like anybody who goes through a losing streak or for a hockey player, you know, a hockey player who just, you know, is getting good shots and they're not going in kind of like what Phil Kessel had last year where the shooting percentage was a career low. Right. When that happens, you start to second guess. You start to wonder, is it me or is it luck? And you have to do that sort of, uh, you know, self, you know, discovery, if if you will, introspection. And um, I've certainly gone to a poker table where, you know, it's been a bad like two week period. And I'm like, I'm not so sure, you know. But that's very rare, and when it happens, it happens for a short period of time for me, and I usually correct it very quickly, you know, in my next session.
1: I'm surprised, though, to hear you say that. I really am, because with all the success you've had, I mean, obviously, not every professional poker player is going to play great. You're going to have days where you make mistakes, and you. but I'm surprised that, actually, you don't say to yourself, all right, you know, I made a few mistakes here, but we'll
3: get them tomorrow. I'm surprised to hear you say that. Well, no, it's true, and, like, you know, it's it, the hockey reference for me is is – I think a lot of people overreact to small samples, right? Mm-hmm. So an interviewer yeah. might say to Ovechkin, he's like, Ovechkin, you know, Alex, uh, what's been going wrong? You know, last four games you haven't scored. You know, what's been going on? And it's like, but in real, in reality, say, for example, Ovechkin's taking a shot that has about a 8 to 12% chance to go in, right? You can go on streaks where even though you did everything right and the shot was good, 8 out of 100 times you score. So you can go through streaks maybe right. where you take more shots than that and, you know, they're not going in. So yeah. um, you really have to focus on your process and what you're doing, and that's harder, though. It's harder when streaks are bad for you, whether it's poker or whether it's hockey. Like, you know, for a guy like Phil, he's a little bit of a streaky player in that regard, too. And last year, you know, it can get into your head. You know, you sh- you keep just like, my God, goalie rod me again. Goalie rod me again. And those streaks can can wear can have a, you know a toll on you. But
1: then there's the other side of it, right, Daniel? We can talk about hockey or we can talk about poker. I hear a lot of professional poker players say, "You don't want to be overconfident either, because you're overconfident. You sit at the table and you just assume you're the best player at the table. That's how you lose all your chips." So it goes. It can go both ways, right?
3: Yeah, but again, just like the hockey thing or the goalie thing, if you're going to err one way or the other, being overconfident is much better than not confident enough, yeah. right? Because at least you, you're you you're in there. You're battling. You're in there. You feel like you can. And you know what? Listen, that overconfidence often corrects itself. If you go in there thinking you're a bull in a china shop and you get your butt kicked over and over, all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, okay. And that's how I was when I was 21, 22, 23, coming to Las Vegas. I'm like, I'm going to kill these guys. Nope. That's not how it worked out. So it was a nice little learning lesson. But I think starting overconfident and, you know, Sort of toning that down is safer and better yeah. and gives you more an opportunity to be great.
1: Do you ever reminisce and be like, wow, in my early 20s, you know, I was borrowing money from these people and I was broke. And now here you are years later, you know, with the obviously with, with all the accolades you have and, and you're backing other people. Did you ever go back to your early 20s and think about that a lot of where you what you become since those days?
3: Think about it often. and I think it sort of led to this kind of how I am with people in terms of generosity because I have empathy for those that are broke and I've been there. Mm-hmm. And I remember the $400 loan, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember the $400 loan when I went the Barrage and I just lost all my chips and a guy I knew from Toronto gave me 400 bucks, and, you know, and I ran that up. And, like, who knows what would have been if I didn't have that 400 bucks? So, you know, since then I feel like I've paid that back a thousandfold. But, mm-hmm. um, but no, I remember all the little moments um, of, you know, I think it's important to sort of be grounded and remember that, you know, you're not far removed from that. And it also, like I said, that empathy for those who are struggling through it. Yeah. It's tough.
1: I don't think uh, you've asked anybody for $400 anytime lately. <laughs> That's yes. for sure. Hey, Daniel, it's always a pleasure having you on my friend and uh, love to have you on again as the season approaches. And then I'll probably ask you some more questions about expectations and that sort of stuff, but uh, appreciate you come on. as always, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, my man. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. Right.
0: Go fill the thrill. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm looking at for- that number eight. He's going to have a snowman on all we're, season we're long. We're going to see Daniel with Phil- a already got the ordered You had it already pre-ordered? It's, it's it's coming. Yeah, well, it's on the way to the house, right? Do you, uh, before yeah. I let you go, are you? I, I don't know if you're one. Will you
1: get that signed by Phil, or is that just weird because you're his friend?
3: I probably won't get it signed, but I mean, if he <laughs> wants to sign it, he can sign it, I don't care. <laughs> cool. All right, <laughs> Danny. <leave> <laughs> Fair
1: enough. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it, Daniel. All right. Have All a good right. one. That's a Real yeah. Kid Poker, Danny Negreanu, uh, very knowledgeable when it comes to the NHL. Well, he's knowledgeable about a lot of things. We but,
0: talked uh, to one of our friends, right, Brian, uh, over the weekend, who is a prominent uh, VGK media member, and he had a great comment. This Vegas Golden Knights team this year—they are one yeah. Mark Stone injury away from being kind of you know a run of the mill fifth mm-hmm. or sixth team in this conference. I mean that's what we're looking at right now. I
1: need to wait and see over the course of the next six weeks or so if there are any other transactions that are made. Uh, I'm gonna uh, listen. I give predictions, and obviously yeah. it's going to mean a lot more prediction in six weeks than maybe right now. But my okay. prediction is this. I think they might struggle a little bit this year. And the reason why I think they're going to struggle, and I don't know if they make the playoffs. And listen, I like Phil Kessel, but their issue is at the goaltending position. And I'm sorry, I'm not uh, confident that these goaltenders, these netminders that we have right now that are healthy are going to get us to the playoffs. Uh, It's a pretty good division. And you have some new faces. These guys aren't getting any younger. Some of them are injury prone. We know Mark Stone needs to be out there on the ice. Wild Bill needs to be out there on the ice. Can't get a guy like Marsha so hurt. You know, these are key guys. So some of it is luck, and I understand that. But you you got a lot of guys that are that are in their early to mid thirties. You know, they're going to be more injury prone. So that's also an issue. Yes, I believe Phil Kessel will help this team. Yes, I like the signing. Uh, I don't think it's a game changer, though. Uh, A game changer is if you get a goaltender in there that uh, I think the city would be confident
0: in. And I just don't think, all due respect to Logan Thompson, uh, he's not that guy this VGK faithful and their fans could be exposed to the first uh, season ever in VGK history, Brian, where they actually perform like a team that was an Right? They didn't have that in year one. They had the fairy tale yeah. in year one. This could be the season. I think it's a very good, uh, solid possibility that they could be that team that, uh, you know, is is – you know, mediocre, average yeah. in the NHL. And we'll see fans here are we'll see how the fans react yeah. here in Vegas yeah. if if the Golden Knights are in yeah. fact in that situation. Let me
1: tell you guys, I went to I had season tickets with my dad, Hartford Whalers, yeah. uh, year after year after year, we didn't make the playoffs. I never saw one playoff game throughout my junior high and high school years in Hartford, Connecticut. I didn't see one playoff game, and then they left town, and then the Hurricanes uh, win the Stanley Cup two years later. That hurt, man. That hurt. But uh, I think fans here are very small. I don't think I know many of well, them. Are spoiled. Many of the
0: Vegas Golden You Knights- are. You know that. They, fans are out there know that. Yeah. They're spoiled. Yeah. Uh, Chris. Oh, you this- can't go. This is brass. Bo- nunchuck always coming through in the clutch. <laughs> A little brass bonanza, Brian, from the mall. Yeah. Slash, uh, what would they call it? The Hartford Civic Center back in the day, right? Yeah. Hartford Civic Center, they had a bunch of different names. So you're saying Numbchuck today is the opposite of Kelsey Plum yesterday? He's is the that opposite. what you're saying? He's yes. coming up big. Sorry, he's, I knocking, like... he's, he's knocking down big shots when it matters, yeah. baby. Kelsey, I like
1: it. Kelsey Plum uh, missed a couple big ones yesterday, yes. but we love Kelsey. But uh, this is, uh,
0: yes, this is the brass bonanza. This is the Hartford Whalers theme song. Batman Gordy and Mark Howe are skating around in yeah. their Whaler uni- uniforms with uh, with no helmets. Back, yes. when you didn't have to wear a helmet, Brian. By the way, we had,
1: we had a few yeah. of your Detroit players. We had Brendan Shanahan. Yes, you did. Uh, for a little while, we had Paul Coffey. You did. We had some pretty good players roll through Hartford. Paul Coffey
0: Moore was a prominent then, Edmonton Oiler. Then, he did play with us. And later then when in the they, uh,
1: then when people, when the players realized that Hartford has literally nothing to offer, and it, it looks like somebody vomited. What are you talking about? It's the insurance
0: city, city, insurance capital of the world. Yeah, Brian, yeah, come on. A, yeah, it's a very, don't bag on your
1: hometown yeah, like yeah. that. Well, I am. It's a very exciting place to live. Yes, Hartford, <laughs> Connecticut. But when players realized that, they said, "Get me the hell out of this city." By the way, I, I wasn't a, a professional hockey player, but I said that since I was like twelve years old. Yeah. And then I'm 21. i have 22. I move out here uh, to Vegas. Anyway, Chris, it has been a pleasure. I appreciate you coming on, as always. It's, it's been a lot of fun. we got some fun guests lined up for you uh, the rest of the week. By the way, former county commissioner Tom Collins is going to be coming in studio Wednesday, along with Michelle Mortensen. So that's going to be an interesting show. Tomorrow, we got the former district attorney here in Clark County. Uh, Thomas Moskal is going to be joining us in studio. And we have a very, very funny comedian who, uh, uh, by the way, her tour is called the Alpha Bitch Tour. That is uh, that is very, very funny. Uh, very funny comedian. Lindsay Glaser will be joining us in studio tomorrow as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, great guests lined up for the remainder of the week. Chris, will you be joining us at Sapphire on September 12th? I think that's going to be a severe possibility, yes, <laughs> that I will be in attendance. Fair enough. Fair for enough. that little soiree. That's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun uh, as well. And that's a wrap, man. That's a yeah. wrap for a Monday show. Fun show. Show went by really fast today, uh, which, you know, it happens from time to time when you're having fun. I guess today was fun. It never goes fast for Chuck, but it goes, oh, I called him Chuck again. I told him I was going to get rid of that nickname. We're going to call him Hip Chuck, but I guess uh, we'll just call him Justin. It's just you can so just call, call me Justin. So boring, though. I don't want to call you Justin. so boring. That'd be like Mark Levin at Mr. Producer. Mr. Producer. No, I don't want to be like that hack. Anyway. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I digress. Thanks, Chris, for being here. We will take a 22-hour break, and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.